On this week's episode of the Two Tools Baseball Podcast, Manny Machado and his monster extension with the San Diego Padres. Injuries all around the league in spring training and how they might affect the regular season and the World Baseball Classic. Our over or under picks for the records for teams in the American League and National League Central Divisions and our top 25 rankings for players in MLB for 2023. Who do you think is going to be the best player in baseball next season? Find out our picks right now. Hello listeners, my name is Alex Jonitz and I am joined as always by my co-host Travis Miller. I am more of a stats nerd, he was a total stud on his D3 college team. This is the Two Tools Baseball Podcast. Enjoy. What's going on listeners, this is the Two Tools Baseball Podcast coming to you live. It is Thursday night, March 2nd. We're in the thick of it, Alex, for spring training. We are officially seeing ball games. We are also about one week away from the World Baseball Classic, so pretty hot and heavy right now with the baseball season. Really exciting. Um, this episode, listeners, will be kicking off our official top 25 for MLB players. I know we've been going through the rankings for the past couple of weeks. One last show dedicated to the rankings. We'll talk about some sports bets as well. Teams we see over or under what their winning threshold will be. But Alex, let's start off with some interesting updates to the MLB market in terms of players getting extensions. Also, players getting some injuries and teams maybe having to hurdle some of these obstacles to over, you know, get ready for opening day. But start us off with some of the updates come MLB and some of these markets. Yeah, so first off, I guess we can talk about Manny Machado earning an extension with the Padres, Travis. He is someone who uh, has been such a cornerstone for what they've done over the last couple seasons, um, arguably their best player in that span. And Travis, he had an opt-out in his contract that would have began this last, uh, this coming off season. So like in a year from now, he, he could be, you know, uh, asking other teams about what they would offer him and stuff like that if he wanted to opt out. But instead, the Padres went ahead and extended him an 11-year, $350 million contract. Travis, some of the most money um, in, you know, in the whole league in baseball history to go to one player. Uh, it makes sense because of how skilled he is, I believe. But I, w- I will say that I wasn't quite sure the Padres were going to deal out that kind of money because it just seems like when will their pockets end? You know, it just they keep dishing out big bucks for big names. It feels like Soto has to be next for them. But you know, at what point? At what point is having Bogarts, Tatis, Machado, and then and then eventually maybe Soto yeah. for like over ten year deals? paying these guys just exorbitant amounts i know it's the price of winning in their mind and and i i'm very happy that they're enthusiastically uh doing what it takes to field a really talented awesome team to fill the seats at petco and to give the fans something to cheer for try to win a world series but i will say i was a bit surprised but i do think the amount is definitely earned machado has earned that level of you know, uh, respect on the market. So what was your first reaction when you kind of found out that um, he was going to get that much money and that the Padres were going to kind of keep spending? Yeah, I, I know the speculation was, you know, around $400 million, which I thought that was a little bit too heavy. Um, 
I knew Machado being a third baseman was probably going to get what he wanted in terms of years and the term. So 11 years, that's that's something he definitely wants. It'll take him past 40. He's the type of, type of player that Alex that could play third base, possibly move over to first base later on in his career, also could play some DH as well. So I think he has a very versatile palette when it comes to his positions. But um, it's actually, again, another brilliant kind of move by the Padres. For the next couple of years, it, it they really don't have tons and tons of spending. I mean, Machado will be making $17 million for the next three seasons, this year, 24 and 2025. Then it'll get up to $25 million in 2026. But from 2027 to 2033, that's where he'll be making the thick of it. He'll be making $39.1 million every single year. And that's kind of the same with the Tatis contract not so much the bogarts bogarts making 25 mil consistently until 2020 or 2033 tatis of course right now is only making 7.7 mil this season then it goes up to 11.7 next year 20.7 for the next two years and then 25.7 in 2027 and actually takes another increase to 36.7 so it's funny how tatis is progressively going to get uh, a higher annual value contract or a wage until 2029 and then he'll have a consistent wage for uh, about five or six seasons but my biggest question though is what will happen down the stretch with the Padres when you look at this team in 2030 I mean I know that's way way out but I I, I do really like the aggressiveness right now like that is so awesome to see that they are getting some of the top players in all ml of all mlb to uh to play for them and they're not making the best or the or the the highest amount of money right now so there is some flexibility over the next two to three four years to really go out there and get the best players to win a championship because i know the padres window i think right now is looking at that four-year gap because some of these guys are going to get increases to their annual um annual salaries and and it might be too much money to spend on some other great players but um, you really appreciate them going in it right now. It just feels like the offseason they've had, um, they're ready to take that first place in the in the National League West. The Dodgers really haven't done too much. Uh, the Padres have really acted and have gotten, I, I would say, they've almost gotten more help than they've needed. I mean, they just signed Michael Waka a couple of weeks ago, which another depth piece. Um, they go out there and just get so many more bats. They get Nelson Cruz. They get... Um, God, no. Okay, there he is. Matt Carpenter. They get Matt Carpenter as well. So they get two DHs um, and as well as some other players. But it's just funny how the Padres continue, continuously try to add more depth, places that they can improve on throughout the season because they know uh, injuries are key and injuries may happen throughout a season and they have replacements right then and there to fulfill them. But I mean, again, I, I think it's a great move by the Padres. I think it's, it's of course, a great deal for Manny because he's getting paid $39 million in his year 40 season. So that's anything you can really dream of is getting that much money when you're that old. Uh, you know, you've really done something really well in your career. So uh, I think it's good for both parties. Yeah, I think that's a great breakdown. I also one other kind of aspect of this that I think is worth talking about that's kind of interesting is he said essentially uh, probably about a month ago or something that he will be testing the opt out. And I think that might have just been a bargaining move to kind of see what would the Padres mm -hmm. offer me if I opted out. Um, he knows he could make more money than probably what the original contract was because he's had a great last couple seasons. Uh, and so, it, Travis, if he were to have opted out and he never came to this deal, he'd be a free agent this yeah. coming offseason, mm -hmm. which if that was the case, Travis, um, he would have immediately been a top two, top three free agent in the class. And honestly, Travis, 
I think it's a pretty weak year for free agency coming in the offseason. There's a handful of guys who have player options like uh, Scherzer, Stroman, um, Baez has an opt-out. Um, there's a mutual option with Donaldson. Uh, it looks like club options for Votto, uh, I was just Charlie say, Morton, Lance it, it, Lynn. But I was going to say it made sense for the Yankees. <laughs> right. It, it just made so much sense. But but and I also think that like a team like the Mets were like they're just down to spend and they could have yes. tried to get Machado at, to play third base with Lindor. Like the, what a what a defensive you know left side you'd have for Definitely. years. But uh, it looks like. You know, and with him off the table, it's a really weak class. If you're looking at just un- unrestricted free agents, like the top guys you're going to see are obviously Otani is the diamond yep. crown jewel. But, you know, I mean, anyone who's hoping for a good market is just praying that he, you know, makes it to free agency. It seems like he most likely will, but the Angels, of course, could offer an extension as well. But Otani. Kershaw is, a, is an unrestricted free agent. Hyunjin Ryu. And then all of a sudden you're getting into names like Martin Perez, Jock Peterson, Yasmani Grandal, Eric Hosmer. It's like, Travis, that quickly we're getting to these names of like guys who are pretty much like replacement level or like maybe a little bit above replacement level. Um, actually, Julio Urias is going to be uh, a free agent as well. Josh Hader. So there are some good names in the mix, but just nothing compared to the last couple of seasons where I feel like there's been these really big ticket guys like Aaron judge, like, you know, an MVP off of, you know, free agency. But I think that, you know, outside of Otani, especially with Machado now, uh, no longer opting out and just going for the extension route. It really makes me think that it will be a weak free agent class and it should, it should, uh, I guess get more teams, interested in maybe like trades for yeah. you know guys with more control and stuff like that because i'm not sure how else they're going to be able to upgrade their rosters significantly but that's just something i noticed travis um he, he would have had complete leverage in that you know free agency class because he'd be the only position player who is just a superstar yeah yeah a superstar exactly and yeah i mean because like I, I can just keep rattling off names like brantley and renfro but these guys are not at that same level even even remotely yeah, i'd say so no, no um with that in mind I think this uh, Machado thing kind of gives an interesting twist to what we might expect this coming offseason. Like the Mets probably saw him as a chance to make a big splash. And now if a team like the Mets or the Dodgers or the Yankees, if one of those teams like fails to get Otani, then all of a sudden, what are your options? You're running out of options. So exactly. it should be exciting. But uh, yeah, Charles, that pretty much wraps up the Machado thing. Another thing we can touch on uh, in terms of spring, uh, spring training updates is there have been a handful of injuries, some of which affect the World Baseball Classic, some of which just uh, affect, you know, really notable teams uh, for the MLB season this coming year. I think the biggest injury that's been all the buzz is uh, Gavin Lux, of course. Uh, I believe, was it a torn? Torn ACL. ACL. That's yeah. what I thought because I knew it was out for the season, I, I think is what the yeah. prognosis has been. But he just took a, a bad step running the third, trying to get out of the way of a throw. He said something about his cleat might have got stuck. But um, just a total freak injury, Travis, that you know, it felt like uh, the Dodgers as an organization were kind of giving him a real big chance this coming season. Like it was going to be, yeah. you're going to be playing middle infield every day because of course they let Trey Turner and Seeker walk the last two off seasons. And it's like, kind of like, this is your time to shine buddy. And <laughs> seeing him go down like that in a spring training game is obviously just brutal for the fans. But uh, it also begs some interesting questions about the Dodgers infield depth. I still, I still think they're going to get a ton out of Freeman. Of course, Muncie, I think still has great upside, probably playing second and third base, but then the other middle infield spots, 
are probably going to be going to guys like um, they traded for Rojas, right? And so I think yep. he is someone who is going to be getting probably that much more playing time as a result of Lux being out. And I think Travis um, Miguel Vargas is uh, one of their prospects who's going to be a really big impact. I think he's just been mashing the ball in the minors. So what's your thoughts on, obviously, you know, uh, a tragic injury, but then at the same time, how do the Dodgers kind of, you know, handle this, do you think? Yeah, it's unfortunate. I think that besides Freddie Freeman, Lux had the chance to become like that captain of the infield because um, I think Muncie, if I'm not mistaken, is on a contract year. I think he might be a free agent next um, next year in his class. So uh, a chance he doesn't return, but Lux is the guy that has the control. And then, of course, Miguel Miguel Rojas, um, you know, a nice, a nice addition from the Miami Marlins. Um, but I think Lux had a chance to really kind of make a statement being that uh, cornerstone or that just being that huge uh, infield presence uh, and also being a young guy with tons of control. But it's unfortunate. I just I, I think the Dodgers now will I, I don't know if they're going to complete, completely look in the trade market and start looking for guys like that. But I do think that now um, Muncie being I think at first we were thinking Muncie was just going to be set as a third baseman. I think Muncie now could make some switches over from third base to second base i think this is where you see uh vargas come up from the minors and kind of make his debut with the dodgers i know he's like third best odds in vegas according for national league rookie of the year so i think they like him because he's going to get a lot of reps and i think he still has some st- strong things to offer i don't think they're going to give the position right now to a guy like michael bush who is a second baseman in the triple a system but um they'll, they'll have some time to do some experimenting so far in spring training so i I still think the Dodgers are a great team. I still think that they are going to be a playoff team next year. Um, but it's just going to be it's going to be interesting to see exactly how um, how they kind of construct this team for opening day. I mean, they still have tons and tons of firepower. I mean, I know we talked about it earlier a couple months back. We were talking about Mookie Betts playing second base. Um, I don't think that's an option right now, but it's just funny how that's still it's it's low key still an option. It is. <laughs> but um, I, I think that Mookie's still focused on right field. And then, of course, the rest of their outfield has got places to go. But, um, yeah, it's it's. I, I would say this. The Dodgers are smart enough. They'll figure something out. I agree. That's a good way to end that statement because while I do think this is a thinner Dodger team than the past couple seasons, you're right. They do always uh, tend to figure these types of things out. They're one of the smartest teams and also have a pretty big pocketbook. So even – or a checkbook, I should say. Uh, even if they're saving up for the next offseason trying to land Otani – or, you know, I mean, even guys like Scherzer could opt out and stuff like that. I think that even if they're doing that, they could still try to dish out a few more million bucks uh, in the coming, you know, weeks maybe. There's still some guys free agents, Travis. I think Angelton Simmons is still a free agent. Not mm-hmm. saying that he that they should go get him, but I think Jose Iglesias. There are like shortstops, middle infielders that they could try to get just to add some depth to their bench if nothing else. But it is it does feel like a thinner Dodger team. And, of course, the injuries are only making it that much more difficult for them. But uh, I have no doubt that they will figure out some sort of solution I'm just not so sure that they will, you know, be as mighty as years past. But I will say this. It almost feels like the last couple of seasons, there's been years where, you know, Muncie missed a bunch of time or was really bad. Bellinger was really bad. Like, it almost feels like no matter how tough things got, they continued to be a over 100 win team. So if they won 100 again, I wouldn't yep. be surprised. Um, I'll put it that way. Yep. Travis, moving on to some other injuries. Tyler Glass now and Joe Musgrove, both uh pitchers for the Rays and the Padres respectively injured 
uh, out for probably a handful of weeks, probably into the first month or maybe a little bit month plus of the regular season. Both guys, Travis, I think it's very interesting how they both are so important to their teams. But at the same time, Musgrove, the Padres are going to deal with that with the fact that they have so much depth, right? <coughs> they have so much depth on the pitching side. Like you just mentioned, they kind of added Waka as like, I think you called it like unnecessary depth. Yeah. Like, But this is where it comes in handy, right? When you get these fluke injuries, um, he like I think you told me he broke his toe or something, a fracture in his toe for uh, from the weight room. It's like, okay, this kind of fluke thing is going to happen. We need better be prepared for it with the real strategy. So they're going to have enough arms, I think, to get by for the time being as good as Musgrove is. And then the Rays are like a very different approach, but the same uh, result, I would say, because they don't have the same kind of depth of the way they, they build up free agency, but they have the same level of depth in their ability to develop, right? So they're going to have... They're just going to call up some guy we've never heard of, and he's going to be pretty solid, is the way I see it. And Definitely. They're going to use more bullpen uh, games probably as a result of missing some glass now time, but I have no doubt that both the Rays and the Padres are going to have um, answers to those injuries. But what was your kind of, you know, any other reactions on the glass now Musgrove things? Yeah, glass now is, I think, just kind of a freak injury where you're just like, that's just super unfortunate. Um, but it feels like it's, you know, it's been a lot of those with him, which yeah. is almost getting a little concerning. Yeah, I feel like that's the big story with the Padres. <laughs> you just have these accidents that are like, that the fans must just be like, okay, like really, what are we doing? Um, You're talking yeah. about Musgrove, right? What's up? You're talking about Musgrove? Yes, yes, yeah, Musgrove. Yeah. yeah, sorry about that. Uh, and so I, I like the Tatis thing with the motorcycle. It's just kind of like, okay, guys, what are we doing? But like, I know it's a baseball activity. You just got hurt in the weight room, but it's just kind of like, okay, like maybe we should just wear steel-toed, uh, boots in the weight room now or something like that. <laughs> Why so not? No one breaks a toe, but uh, unfortunate. And then of course with glass now, um, you know, last year, I don't know how many starts he made, but he came back and um, you know, I think we were all looking really forward to what he was going to bring in 2023. And also with that raised rotation um, and just now kind of starting off on a bad note. Uh, it, it's, un it's unfortunate. The Rays, like you mentioned, uh, they they have pieces to really go off of. I feel like they have a minor league rotation that probably would be Emily ready uh, come April or May. So they just kind of have those smart pieces to go and can really, uh, uh, it, and Kevin Cash can manage games in a really smart way. But um, it is unfortunate. I hope these two guys uh, can get back soon and, 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 and contribute to their teams because they're, they're big pieces, I would say, in if these teams want to, A, if the Padres want to win the division, Musgrove needs to be healthy and Musgrove needs to be on his game. Um, and I think if the Rays want to get back to the postseason, Glasnow is a guy that they really should count on and, and hopefully, you know, can really drive him. Even though they, he wasn't pitching last year and they still got to the playoffs, um, granted, they were, I think they were like the sixth seed. So um, Glasnow just needs to be, you know, healthy on his game to, to give them a really good shot to go back to October. But unfortunate situations. Yeah, and the last note I guess I have is Glass now is someone, Travis, who I think I failed to mention it when we were ranking pitchers, but he is someone, Travis, who I truly believe is in the conversation with the best pitchers in baseball. But I just, you know, we couldn't put him in our top tens because there was these question marks about his health. I mean, he just yeah. missed, you know, I don't he, know. He if, missed what, like half of last year too? Yeah. He was, was on a he was on a Cy Young pace. Cause think because it was it was when they banned Spider Attack, which yeah. was first half of the year, yeah, right? Like, like June or May, yeah. And yeah. so he misses the whole second half plus, and then he misses almost all of last year up until the last like probably couple starts or something like that. But uh with that kind of track record of not kind of seeing you uh post well, it was Tommy John, right? Tommy John. Not, yeah. not 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 seeing what you what you're 
pitching look like post Tommy John. And then like the first time you're really ramping up this year, you get hurt again. It's almost just like, there's just these kind of questions that prevent us from ranking him at the very top of our lists. But I do think the talent wise and what he could be when healthy is amongst the top five pitchers in baseball. So I do think that it's a really tough situation with him. Uh, wishing him the best obviously but i do think he can still have a really good year despite you know the setback but interesting thing for glass now which is which is you know i don't know if this is just a you know interesting coincidence or just or you know just a just a crazy fact but only thrown uh 100 plus innings once in his career that was 2018 he's he's only his max innings pitched in a season is 111 which i mean it's it's not concerning but it's just a very crazy stat to look at that this guy has never gone um crazy deep into a season I mean, right I, and I, I mean I, I know he was uh it, it, you know prior to 2018 I know he was actually getting a lot of games in the bullpen for the Pirates um but then got traded to the Rays and that's kind of where his um starting career took off but has never started um 15 games or more in a season which I mean that's just kind of a crazy fact and just to build off of that I felt like his one of his best years was 2020 when it was a short year and so mm-hmm. it's almost just like one of those things where you know you feel like you're ready to go and then that season gets shortened by the pandemic and then then you're getting hurt again after the pandemic so it's just yeah. it's just been brutal for him but you know he's still gonna be super successful I believe in him but um he has the stuff so we'll see how he kind of uh you know we'll be following these injuries going forward last injury to talk about Seiya Suzuki I believe it was an, is an oblique injury he it's resulting uh it's resulting in him opting out of the World Baseball Classic for Team Japan. Definitely one of their best players, Travis. Uh, yeah. Probably would have been batting, you know, top four of their order somewhere, protecting Shohei or in front of Shohei or something like that. But I do think that it's a big loss for Team Japan. And, of course, it's a loss for the Cubs. But it doesn't seem like it's something that's going to be super, super serious. But I'm going to miss probably spring training at the least and then uh, the World Baseball Classic. But... Um, it's too bad because I do think the team Japan is a chance to be really frisky and I want them to kind of have all their guys possible. So, and I would say also it's, 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 uh, it's disappointing when you have, when you can speculate on these like dream rosters, like, oh, Japan would look so good with this lineup, but guys get injured here and there and they just, you know, they can't, uh, fulfill the fans, uh, hope to, you know, be in that lineup or be on that roster. So we would love to see a packed Japan team play against, you know, a a packed USA team. I think that there's so many rosters we really want to see japan you know venezuela japan dominican republic just so many uh countries that would have just a crazy crazy um you know combined roster on all that all that mlb talent especially considering i feel like team japan um they i think i ranked them third best but they still have like this i think thinness maybe because behind the top like four or five guys there's not much mlb talent there's just people from the Japanese league that we're not that familiar with, um, with their stats and stuff. And we just know them to be, you know, they're just going to be solid Japanese players, probably not superstar performers in a ton of type of tournament like that against, you know, MLB pitchers, but definitely can contribute. So it, it feels like losing one of those top pieces uh, could really hurt, but Travis, that pretty much wraps up the kind of spring training, spring recap stuff. Uh, I think it's a good time to sort of transition into our top 25, so just to kind of catch everybody up, the last couple of weeks we've been making our positional top 10s through, you know, catcher, through the infield, uh, through the outfield, pitching, and DH. Now it's time to combine it all, Travis. The top 25 players in baseball, position players as well as pitchers, all kind of factored into this. 
I really cannot wait because I just <laughs> I just know we're gonna have so many uh, yeah. things that will not line up, and that's gonna make for fun conversations. Uh, who uh, are we gonna snub, and and all those kind of questions. So, how do you want to start this thing? I I like the way we've been doing it for the past couple weeks. We'll Me do, too. Uh, um, top to bottom i think just getting those guys out of the way is, is fun do you want to just do uh top five we'll kind of work our way down in fives sounds good all right i will let you uh do the honors okay travis starting off i think right now uh if i had to say who the best player in baseball is i'm gonna go with shohei otani otani is someone travis uh i mean the medium covers him to death so it's probably not that much news to anybody what he's capable of but to me he's number one because of how it's a few things. It's the ceiling, right? Like if every single player has their best possible season, Otani's is the best because what he can do as a pitcher and a hitter. If he had a 60 home run season and also won the Cy Young Award, like no one else is even getting close to that amount of value, right? In my opinion. And then uh, he also has the speed, of course, to boot if he had like 30 steals on top of that. Like no one can do what Otani can do if everybody is having their best years. And then at the same time, I think Otani also has a kind of high floor, right? Like if Trout um, has a really rough patch, like a really bad month of hitting, or if Judge um, gets hurt and can't play the outfield, has to just be a DH now. It's like, it really limits the value that these guys can have. Whereas if Otani gets hurt in a certain way pitching, he can still hit. Or if he gets hurt, uh, you know, maybe he gets a Tommy John surgery again, but he can still hit. So it's like, it's almost like he's like, he's like a fallback no matter what happens to him. Of course, there could be some really bad injury that affects both things, but it's almost feels like he's immune to some types of injuries because he can just go do the other thing that he's really good at. So just being so elite at the game of baseball in these two different ways uh, just makes him uh, truly special. So uh, that's a lot of kind of obvious stuff. I'm just, you know, that people have been saying forever, but that's why he's number one for me. Just there's so much he can do that other, it, it's almost unfair. He's playing on a different level. Um, two for me, Travis uh, is going to be Mike Trout. He has been the best player. I think of our lives, Travis, the best, you know, generational talent. I know that MLB network, they just ranked Aaron judge above him. So we can talk about that in a little bit, but I think you and I both are still big believers in what Trout can accomplish when he's playing. It feels like he's still like the best player in baseball outside of maybe Shohei Otani. The only issue is the last couple of years, he's had this uh, difficulty staying on the field. There's been nagging injuries, different body parts. Um, you know, I think that there's well, maybe there was concern with the Angels training staff at some point, but I do have faith in him going forwards to be healthy. I know he's a competitor. He wants to win. He wants to make the playoffs. He feels that pressure so um i feel sold that you know it's not going to be too big of a problem going forward i mean and, and judge is a guy who's been hurt plenty as well um in his career and he just put together more recently so judge is actually going to be my third pick travis uh you can't you cannot ignore what he did last year he um did everything that was necessary in order to prevent Shohei Otani from winning the mvp it took a monstrous uh, historic performance judge is my third guy fourth I am going with Fernando Tatis Jr. I was surprised to have him this high, but I do think that what he can do when he's right um, surpasses just about anyone else in baseball besides the guys I already named. My fifth pick is going to be Juan Soto um, for how good of a hitter he is, has a chance to be the best hitter in baseball any given year. So that's my top five, Travis. All right. All right. Good. Some good similarities here, Alex. Um, well, well, I would say one thing. We are uh, matching on the top three. Um, Shohei Otani is the best player in Major League Baseball. Um, he is not only an all-star starting pitcher, he is a, right now he's looking like a top five Cy Young and also a top five um, 
MVP finisher. And I think just purely his his hitting is at a above all-star level and his pitching, of course, is at an above all-star level. So that just makes him a, such a unique talent, but he is easily number one. Number two, of course, again, Mike Trout. I think he was number three, like you mentioned, in MLBs or their little top 100 rankings. But I think Mike Trout is still number two ahead of Aaron Judge. Um, I mean... The guy was out for 30 games or so last year and speculation that his career is over. Um, people were sending him RIP tweets saying like, it was nice watching you play, but I mean, it looks like you have to hang it up now. Um, dude comes back and has a seven straight game home run streak uh, that, I mean, uh, only Mike Trout can do certain things like that uh, and finishes with 40 home runs, 119 games and an OPS. I'm still ticked Alex, but an OPS at 8.999. I think there was a rounding almost a rounding uh, a deficit of like a point zero 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 two or something like that, which just kind of... He'll get there, don't worry. One of those numbers that just kind of eats at me for some reason. I, I like I like those even, you let's, know... Let's juice up that ball, man, Fred. Let's, yeah, get, it, let's exactly, get it back over at that exactly. And the last game of the year had probably his longest home run of the year. And I think it was... It was one of those where it could have even been a top three of his career at, at Oakland Coliseum. It was it was at a, absolutely just destroyed to center field. But he's number two. Number three mentioned Aaron Judge. Aaron Judge has insane potential. He un, unlocked a level that we haven't seen in such a long time in last year. I mean, how big Aaron Judge is. Um, he can do those kind of things and have those type of seasons. A great outfielder with a defense in the arm, but also a tremendous power bat in that Yankees lineup. So Aaron Judge is number three for me. Number four, Alex, I go to Mookie Betts. Um, I'm still high on Mookie Betts. I think he is one of the most, uh, I won't say underrated superstars in the game, but I just love that there's just no weaknesses in his game. I mean, a lot of guys we talk about, there are weaknesses here or there. They can always improve. Mookie Betts has the average. Mookie Betts has the power. Mookie Betts has the defense. He's got the base running of, uh, of, of IQ, the awareness. And so I just, I love the way Mookie Betts plays the game. He would be, I mean, such a, such a great guy to have on my team because he basically can fit so many roles in the lineup. You can put him first, you can put him second, you can put him third. Um, I, I just I, I love watching him play. He fits number four for me. Number five, I have Jordan Alvarez. Alex, I, I I'm I'm slowly thinking Jordan is becoming the best hitter on this planet. Um, what he does in the postseason, what he does in the regular season, um, it, it's slowly slowly becoming that Jordan is just is just this mega superstar bat that is starting to actually evolve in the left field position. He's I know he's been a DH for most of his career, but he will play I think a little more left field this year. Um, and it has a chance to have his war go up a little bit more. That's such a short porch at the uh, ballpark in Houston that, and he's got actually a decent arm. Uh, he, he can actually be a very outstanding performer in left field, I think, this year if he plays a lot of games there. But that's my top five. I got Otani, Trout, Judge, Betts, Alvarez. Um, we probably should go on a little more before we debate because I know some of these guys might sure. be inside your top five or inside your top 10. But uh, give me who you got for your six through 10, and then we can kind of discuss. Okay, so six through ten, six I get to Betts, who of course he had to be coming around pretty soon. Um, I'll just do a little. Actually, I'll just hold it off until we we get our whole top ten out okay. there before I get into the Betts thing. Uh, J Ram is going to be my seventh pick. Uh, Jose Ramirez is, I think, the best third baseman in baseball, and it's a really talented group right now. So that means definitely saying something. Eighth, I go Trey Turner. Uh, I think we add him as the best shortstop in baseball. Ninth, I get to Jordan Alvarez, so I agree with what you're saying. Just have a little bit different idea about the value that like a DH or bad left field defender has. But I do agree that if he's the best hitter in baseball, which he definitely could be this coming season, 
um, then you have to. Be, I feel like if you're the best hitter, you have to be a top five player. So I don't. I don't totally disagree with what you're saying. And then uh, ten, Travis. I surprisingly get to Julio Rodriguez, a guy who's only had one year in the bigs. Um, is already top ten in my books. I think he's been that good last year, and it's only seems it only seems like it's gonna go up from here, right? So that's yes. my that's my ten, Travis. Give me your six through ten. No, uh, not a big fan of starting pitching, huh, Alex? Not quite yet. No. <laughs> um, number six, I go with J Ram. I think you had him at seven, so he's just kind of that middle top ten. J Ram, the best third baseman in the game. Um, again, kind of like a Mookie Betts, not with the great defense, but just still great base running, great power great contact just all those skill sets put into one at third base um also being a switch hitter number seven i actually go corbin burns um what he's been able to do the last two years we talked about it um i think we both agreed that he is the best starting pitcher in the game uh i i i just think that there's really no weaknesses in what he can do on the mound so he is number seven eight nine i go machado arenado um I, you know what i i said machado in the third baseman and it was funny i said that when um the contract was not signed i said i think he's gonna have a monster year because he's gonna opt out and he really wants that money so i was like you know i think he's still gonna have a powerful year i still kept that order i just think these guys are almost one a and one b i i, I they're almost in they're almost just like lookalikes i mean i think mlb had their projections a couple days ago and it was like Machado and Arenado on RBIs, home runs, and like batting average or as OPS or OPS plus, they're all like within like a couple points, like yeah. like one home run, like four RBIs, and like three OPS plus points, and then like the WAR was just like point six away or something like that. It was just it was almost identical numbers. But I have Machado eight, Nolan Arenado nine, and then number ten I wrap it up with Juan Soto. Um, Juan Soto, I, I he a little bit of a. I don't want to say a down year last year. I think he's going to pick it up this year, of course, in a big way. I think he is a um, heavy, heavy guy for the NL MVP, like always. Um, I don't think, I, I don't know. Talk me a little bit how Juan Soto, I, I just don't know how his defense is going to, his defense is is, is still decent. Um, but compared to some of these other guys, I just think that it's still not put together all the way. I, I know I'm basing this on an eye test, but a couple of days ago, I, I saw him coming on a fly ball in spring training and, and basically didn't, just dropped it. Didn't look good, yeah. Didn't look good. It's kind of just like, is this kind of like that? I, I always go back to that Barry Bonds play in the 0-2 World Series where it's just like he comes in on that fly ball and he just, he looks awful at fielding and it's just kind of like, are, are we just looking at a pure hitter right now and not really a good defensive guy, but he's still decent playing in left field, but he's number 10. Uh, we can discuss now, and you had Juan Soto, I think, in the top five, right? I had him fifth, yes. Fifth, okay, okay, okay. What, what, um... I, I mean, I know he's he, up there with Jordan Alvarez, one of, the, one of the best hitters on the planet. But well, well, give me what your take. Why Why number five? Sure. Yeah, I think that's a good place to start this conversation. Uh, <clears throat> first off, completely agree. Defense is a concern. Last year by StatCast, Travis, one percentile, meaning bottom one percent in all of baseball for outs above average. So not a good defender last year. I would say actually a very bad defender last year. Is there a chance that goes up? Of course, but uh, it seems like he had like one pretty solid defensive year. I think it was 2021, if I'm not mistaken, but yep. I have to double check that. But either way, definitely, uh, I think, struggled heavily in right field last year. He will be in left field next year. I think he wasn't amazing in left field when he was a left fielder for the Nats before they got um before they moved him to right so we'll kind of see how that pans out but i do think that the defense is a big question mark uh the sprint speed is not very good either 
the thing he really, really does have going for him, I would say the best, uh, I'll call it discipline, I guess. But like, uh, the best <laughs> eye, the best at avoiding bad pitches, I think Travis, like possibly of all time. Like it is, it is truly it's so good. on a level yeah. of, you know, we have to go back to guys who I don't even think. Um, we didn't have we didn't have we didn't have a, cast. <laughs> these metrics to measure Ted Williams, you know, and Babe Ruth. But uh, Juan Soto, I think, is in that class when it comes to uh, his ability to take balls and then still manage to swing at all the strikes and crush them. Uh, his hard hit stuff is really really good, <laughs> but the most impressive thing is he's hundred percentile in uh, walk percentage last year, hundred percentile in chase rate so he's avoiding uh balls that are out of the zone um his whiff stuff is still very good because travis a guy like mike trout who has a really amazing eye and also aaron judge these guys have great uh, percentiles for chase rate and walk percentage they walk a ton and they don't chase bad pitches but usually if you're really good at that it means that you also are going to swing and miss at stuff in the zone quite a bit usually yep. usually you're good at one or the other you're either really good at laying off bad stuff Oh, you're really good at making contact. But Soto actually is really good at both. Uh, he's really good at making contact in the zone, hitting the ball hard still. He avoids strikeouts while also getting walks. So I do think that he is going to be uh, one of the best one or two, uh, three at the worst uh, hitters next season. I think that, you know, last year was this kind of weird down year. The one weakness in his game is I think he does hit a little bit too many ground balls. The shift being banned may help that, but he still is so good at laying off bad pitches. It's not like he's hitting ground balls because he's chasing bad stuff. You know, some guys will hit a lot of ground balls because they chase, you know, low breaking balls or they, they roll it over, you know, on a breaking pitch. Yep. That's not what he's doing necessarily. He's still putting up really good plate appearances every single time he's in the box, making good contact. You know, the defense, like I said, is a big concern. I could see him being a DH at some point in his career uh, but you know for the time being we'll see how he does in left field next year I assume Tatis will be the right fielder so that's my little that's my little blurb on Juan Soto I think that um you know I think that you you address that you how you believe in the upside but I do think 10 is something I would disagree with but it's funny we almost have an exact flip between your Don and Soto so yeah, I'll let you make yeah. a case for your Don right now but I do agree with what you're saying your Don like I think if you had to like if there was some way to bet in Vegas like who is gonna be the best hitter next year I don't know what stat they would pick for that maybe just like offensive WAR or like OPS plus or something yeah if they were gonna pick one of those stats like your Don is probably the betting favorite I feel like honestly it's like I think it's you know it'd be him Judge or Soto to be like the the betting favorite um, maybe Trout like fourth on that conversation so um, I totally understand why you have him where you do I just think Soto has the better eye. Doesn't hit it quite as hard as Jordan does, but also does play the field probably a bit more. There's less DHing for Soto, so there's a little bit more value there. Even though, even when the defense is bad in left field, it's still much more viable than being a DH who doesn't yeah. field at all. Yeah. Um, but but of course, Jordan, like you, like we've been saying, has a chance to play a lot of left field if Brantley is going to be the DH. So give me your little your little uh, spiel on why you have Jordan, you know, up in that top five and Soto down below him. Uh, we'll start there. Yeah, go yeah. For that. I, I I agree with that. I think honestly too. Like I I would never find myself betting for your Don on an MVP. Um, I just I I I will say it may be different this year playing a lot of left field, but I just feel like your Don last year had such a peak season, and I, I know he still had 
Otani and he still had a judge in his way, but I just feel like your Don so many years is always going to be that like second or third place guy because he does play that DH so often. Um, and, you know, he's not going to have the incredible base running. He's not going to have the incredible defense and just being a DH is going to hurt his war. Um, whereas a guy like Soto uh, playing the outfield and, you know, not at all. I don't think we've ever really seen him play DH that often. Uh, the the MVP is a strong possibility for him. But I just think your Don um, last year was just a big step in what we've seen. I mean, I know there's also a lot of recency bias, I feel like, as well with what we saw in the postseason, some of those just huge clutch hits. But I, I just I, I think that we're, we're looking at a, I mean, Soto and Alvarez being the same exact person. Um, your Don just last year, of course, having the better season overall. Um, Soto, a little bit more of a down year, but it just seems like the last couple of years, um, you know, they're they're so alike. I mean, you look at both guys, uh, you know, Soto had an insane 2020 season, uh, also a 2021, but uh, I, I just think Jordan is surely becoming the best hitter on the planet. I, I just, I, I think he's just got no weaknesses. I mean, uh, he hits for contact. He gets on base just the same as Soto does. Uh, slugging percentage uh, with Soto's, I think Soto's slugging percentage was way down this year, but with Alvarez's, it's always, um, you know, somewhere in that 600 slugging percentage range, which will always give him a chance to be at a thousand OPS. But I, I don't know. I, I just think that with Alvarez, there's just really no weaknesses with what he's able to do uh, at the plate. I, 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 I don't know right now if I'd say Alvarez is a better hitter than Soto, but I just think that with more stuff that's been having, what's, 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 with what's been happening recently, um, I think Alvarez is just a stronger candidate to be a um, better overall player. Um, and again, we can get kind of into this more thought process or debate on, well, if playing the DH um, is better for him because he's not making those errors in left field, but Soto's playing left field and making the errors, does that does that equate to, you know, being more valuable or, you know, I, I you, you can talk about all that all you want, but I, I just... I think Jordan is the the stronger candidate. I think he's the better hitter right now. I think that's a fair point to say. I think that Soto, the, I'll just put it this way. So like Jordan is still an elite uh, hitter in all ways, but I think Soto's eye sets him apart from everybody truly, and he still has enough power to make him an elite power hitter as well. Whereas Jordan has the elite elite power, but if he has a bad stretch of whether it be chasing or a bad year with swing and miss. I don't see that happening. I'm not saying he's gonna, but I'm just saying Juan Soto probably walks, you know. Um, I mean, I'm looking at steamer projections for next season. They have Soto over 20% walking, which is just like that. Just think about that. That means you're, that means you're, if you walk 20% of the time, which steamer projects for Soto, that means your on base is gonna be 0.2 higher than your batting average think mm -hmm. about that like that's that's it, feel, it feels like video game stuff right but um you know with that being said i'm just very high on juan soto so i understand uh the little disagreement we're kind of having but that's not much of a debate i feel like because we both know how good they are at the plate um i guess other points we have disagreements on you have not said tatis yet correct i have not said tatis no and, i just and, didn't say that yep and that's that's i guess we'll, i'll hold off until we get to him on your list assuming he's somewhere gonna be in the 25 but oh, he's somewhere we'll, yeah we'll, yep. we'll figure that out yeah. when we get there i know so far no tatis for me no trey turner for me in the top 10 i know they had him for you you did not have machado arenado so you kind of only had ramirez being that top third baseman um right in that in that top 10 yeah and, and yeah. so the other 
Other guys I want to talk about, um, you mentioned Betts a bit. I got to Betts at sixth. Uh, Betts is someone, Travis, who I really, really believe in the completeness of his game, how skilled he is at the game of baseball in pretty much every way. I think that my only reason to keeping him out of my top five is I think there's a bit of a lack of a ceiling, right? Like, I think everyone in my top five, from Otani, Trout, Judge, Tatis, and Soto, I think their best year that they could have next year, we're talking about like a 10-war season, right? I don't think that's in Mookie Betts' future, if I'm being honest. I think that he's so consistently good at everything, but I don't think he has necessarily the elite, elite eye or the elite, elite power or the elite, elite contact. He's just very, very good at all those things. And of course, being a really good defender who can run the bases well. He does it all well, but I don't think he does anything to such an extreme level, a top, top percentile, where I can say, yes, if his best season, if he just clicks perfectly, he's going to win the MVP. Of course, he still could win an MVP. Yeah. Um, but I just I just honestly, and Travis, also, if you look at his baseball friends page or his fan graphs page, um, something stands out to me that he's really not been able to get that close to 2018 ever since. And I don't want to change the topic here, but there's been lots of things going around recently about how that 2018 Red Sox team might have had a little bit of whatever Houston was doing the year before because they did take some coaching staff from the Astros. So I don't want to you know say this or that because um, Mookie's an amazing player. But if, if 2018 is this outlier for him where he had a 10-plus war and then only had an 8-war one other time, and besides that, never a 7. Like I just feel like you know him getting above a, uh, above an 8-war again would be kind of a surprise for me, and getting a 10-war again would be, I think, you know, I would say not, nothing's impossible, but I think it's, it's out of the question, in my opinion, personally, yeah. whereas I could see Soto or Tatis or, I mean, Judge just did it last year, Trout or Otani, I could see them all having yeah. just a monster MVP campaign in uh, the coming season. So uh, th- that's the difference for me is I think bets, bets is, a, is a safer bet to be great, but I think a worse bet to be an MVP. So it, it, that's why I kind of stuck him at sixth. Um, if th- does that make some sense to you? you no, know, it definitely makes sense. I, I agree with you completely. I, I, he's not he's not the hitter that a lot of these guys are. Um, he He's nowhere close to having that level of, of vision. I mean, you look at last year's, you know, on base, um, only a 340, a slugging. He actually had a great power season, a 533 slug. Um, and then, of course, you know, a, a, just a 270 batting average, which, I mean, last year, a, a decent year for Mookie Betts. You're right. I don't think he'll ever be on 2018's level. I think he's just a strong, safe pick for a guy who's going to year in and year out offer rough, roughly around a seven war. Yeah, you know, he's, he's going to have all that. And I just, I to me, with ranking and my criteria, I just like that being the complete player where there's really no weakness with him. Yeah, he doesn't have the strengths or the ceiling as the hitting as some of these other guys. I just think that there's so many things that he does well. I think everything a part of Mookie Betts' game is a B-plus or better, where I could look at some of these sure. other guys – um, one soda, the fielding might be a little bit in the C category or where you look at the base running, maybe it's not that great. Um, but the, the, the discipline, the vision is an a plus plus, um, I, I can kind of look at those kind of levels and, and balance it out. I just feel like with Mookie, there's really just not a weakness there. So I feel like I had to put him in my top five. Um, and, and last year, I mean, I, I know he didn't have a career season, but a, a very surprising with the power. I mean, I think he would, he went on like a, a, a crazy month. I think last year it was like June or May that he was hitting like I forget what it was like. It was like 12 or 13 home runs in the month. But um, yeah, he did have a career high in homers, right? It was 35 home runs. He had only 32 in correct. 2018. Yes. Yep. Um, but he also did see 
the lowest walk percentage he's had since 2016. So like, yep. um, there's a bit of a trade off there, which, you know, I think selling out for power is never a terrible idea as long as you're hitting the ball still, but yep. the stolen bases have not been the same with LA that they were when he was in Boston back. He used to be over 25 stolen bases three years in a row in 2016 through 18 has not been, uh, above 15 stolen bases, uh, as a Dodger, um, you know, and, and I'm not saying he should be stealing more. I'm just saying the value that you can expect in his peak season is a bit lower. He also has like this guaranteed contract locked up. So it's not like yeah. he's got a, a big contract here coming up either. Especially so. when I think, I mean, I know that the, the lineup, I, I do, I think Mookie's usually batting um, I think second. He's usually, I think he's oftentimes lead off, could bat second sometimes Lead, lead too. off for second. And I mean, last year he got, I think he had Trey Turner batting behind him. I think he had Freddie batting behind him. So yeah, you're right. He should be getting on for these guys because these are guys yes. that, uh, you know, Freddie may ground into a double play, but Trey Turner not often to ground into a double play. Uh, they're going to put the ball in play a lot, especially Freddie. He's got some of the best contact on the in all the MLB. So um, the the walks you're right have dropped off a little bit. Strikeouts went up. I think actually it's funny. I think he had uh, career high in strikeouts last year. Career high, career high in home runs. So uh, the strikeouts and the home runs all went up, and then of course the walks were at a somewhere of a career low not not as bad as they were of course in 2016 and 15 but they're down in the you know the the 55 range which i mean he's typically always a high 60s or higher kind of walk guy but um that's something that he could definitely focus on this year to get more on base because um pairing that with the power uh you're you're gonna have a you know you're gonna have a a, a monstrous season i i think the biggest the biggest thing for me to talk about is that there are just no there are no holes in this game I agree. I agree. It, it, it is it, to me. It's a little bit jarring. Looking at 2017 to now, he only hit over 300 once, and it was in the MVP year when he hit 346. It just it's that year is so crazy to me, Travis. That I don't know. I'm just I'm just a little suspicious. <laughs> it just seems like it was a it little is. too a little too crazy good. Like his on base has never been close to 438 besides that one year, the slugging at 640. I mean, this year he came within, uh, not even a hundred, uh, points of that, of that slugging from the MVP year. And the batting average this year is like 80 points lower. So it's it just crazy how, and he's still a top five, six player for us yet. It's crazy how crazy that 2018 was. It almost, yeah. I think it really affected our view of him in a really positive way for him. And he is still the player we think he is. He's still an elite top player, but it's just so crazy how I feel like if you try to ignore the 2018 and kind of accept that he's never going to do that again, in my opinion, yeah. uh, it kind of makes me like, kind of feel comfortable, like in the middle of my and, top 10. And, and he's, he's going to be a guy that I might think of. And I know we talked about him a little earlier, but uh, a Christian Yelich. I, I mean, I, I, I've never seen a, I, I mean, I have seen a guy, but there's always suspicions. I think for me, the biggest thing I think of when I see a peak like this is okay, we're performance enhancing drugs are part of it, but I think testing is a lot better now. So I feel like it's almost impossible to not get caught for this stuff. But right. looking at Yelich's numbers, I mean, 18 and 19, you look at the home run uh, totals from 2018, 36. That was just, I mean, an insane career high, but he went up to 44 in 2019. And Betting titles. He he missed thirty two games. I mean, you missed thirty two games, and he still hit forty four home runs. When before that, he was an eighteen home run hitter. He was a twenty one home runs a year hitter, and then he goes down to twelve home runs. Okay, twenty twenty, he goes down to twelve home runs. I'm not going to really count that, but nine home runs in twenty twenty one, fourteen home runs last year. It, it to me, it's just. It, and I know we've talked about it a lot, and and some of the advanced stats are still consistent to what he was doing and what he was doing in 2019 and 18. But 
I mean, that to me, it's just like, what, what on earth happened? He's one of the biggest question marks in major league baseball right now, where I would like to know and investigate what, what truly went on in those seasons. Cause it's, it's just, it's, it's, I don't want to say it's bad luck, but at the same time, I just, I don't know. It's, it, we can talk about that later offline, but I, I feel like it's, it's another question mark where Mookie bets, where you just see this one season, like you said, 2018, a, MLB career season where you can oh, look yeah. at special seasons and he's on there after that the OPS goes down to like the lower 900s and then it's just like flirting with all these 800 range kind of OPSs where you're like man what happened to this season like how come we can't get back on that level but um it, some guys just maybe maybe they're just feeling it one year and it's and it's just it, everything's going the right way but who knows and back on that Yelich point Travis the first pitch you saw today out of the park. I saw that the awful is it, home run. Is, is yeah. he back, Travis? <laughs> I, I, is, I, is he and back? that's impressive. I, I'm a big believer. If you want to get back on track, you got to really learn how to hit the ball back to all areas of the field. If you can go oppo, if you can go center, if you can go, uh, if you can pull the ball for him to uh, to right field. Um, I know there's a quote Mike Trout said a couple of days ago when he was getting interviewed is that, you know, even when he was in high school, his high school coach said, I want you to start hitting the ball to the right field. Just, just every single pitch, hit the ball to right field, no matter where it's pitched. If it's inside, still try to go oppo on it. And that kind of really uh, opened up his entire, uh, you know, spray charts when it comes to hitting, uh, you know, hitting the ball all, all over the field. Cause we know Mike Trout has power to all, all sides. So um, I, I, it's, it's interesting, Alex, that uh, hopefully, uh, yeah, I just, yeah. 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 is just, he's, he's a, a curious case, but we'll, he's a curious case. I just, I, I don't, I don't understand it, but yeah. Um, but we got offline <laughs> looking, looking at other guys, uh, not much explanation needed on J-Ram. We have him in almost the same exact spot. He is our best third baseman in baseball. We covered him a ton in our third baseman tier list, being our number one. Uh, so I, I think we'll just kind of leave it at that. He's a superstar, yep. an underrated player. I think if anyone doesn't have him in their top 10, they're not seeing something that they should be. Uh, I'll wait on Trey Turner until you bring him up on your list. All right. Uh, same for Julio. So I think we should just keep yeah. it rolling then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'll go ahead and start with my 11, Travis, 11 through 15, and then we'll kind of have another breakdown. 11, I go with Ronald Acuna Jr. He is someone who was top five on most people's lists, I feel like, um, before that injury he, he sustained uh, last season. Um, and then I still think that this year, um, we, we, coming back from that injury, he had maybe a bit of a down offensive year, but still crushes the ball. I think I had him in my top three or four for right fielders. So he's still super talented. He's my 11th guy and so young that there's so much time to get back to that MVP first half he had in 2021 before he got hurt. So he's 11, 12. I go Carlos Correa, my second shortstop off the board. 13, I get to Machado. 14, I get to Alex Bregman, who was my third-ranked third baseman. And 15, I get to Corey Seager as my third wow, first off, off the that. board. So that's my uh, 11 through 15. You want to give me yours? Number 11, I go with Carlos Correa. Um, number 12, I go with Julio Rodriguez. Uh, 13, I go Trey Turner. 14, Ronald Acuna Jr. and number 15, Alex, the biggest separation. Uh, that's where I go with Fernando Tatis Jr. Um, the big thing I think we can talk about first is, uh, we'll, we'll talk about the Tatis. Um, reasoning for having him so far down, um, I think a lot of it for me is uh, I just, I, I'm still kind of, uh, not not to say I'm, I think he could still be a very good right fielder. I just don't know what I'm going to get from him out there in right field. He still has the athleticism, I think, to be a very, very good right fielder. 
Um, funny today, Alex, I saw him drop a, drop an easy routine I was about to say pop the fly. Thing. I was about to say it, yeah. <laughs> Where I'm watching the corner outfielders for the Padres drop these fly balls. I mean, not to say that was really an influence. I still think he could be a superstar. Um, I think you had him at fourth and you saw that. You're like, you're going down. Yeah, yeah. I'm <laughs> at fourth and I put him at 14. I'm like, all right, you just, you lost a couple or you lost 10 spots. But um, I, I guess I'm just waiting to see what we can get from him. I, I don't want to say I'm, I'm concerned about like with the whole like, Again, the whole steroids, I, I, I'm not playing that out as like the Mark McGuire, Sammy Sosa days with the steroids, but I'm just, I, I'm, I'm wondering if that's going to be a huge tick in, in his numbers and, and interested to see what he can offer. I still think, I, if I was a betting man, I still think Fernando Tatis is going to be a superstar. Um, I still think he can be a great, great performer. Um, I just right now am having a little bit higher uh, odds on some of these other guys being just top performers. You know, one guy, Carlos Correa, you know, if Fernando Tatis is playing shortstop, I probably still have a number one at shortstop, but I have Correa ahead of him, even though they used to be, of course, the same the same position. But I think Correa is a guy where the health is a big concern, but I just think where if he were to put on 162 games, he still is one of those guys where I think in 20, uh, what's it, 2021, I think he was a guy where it was, it was a seven uh, almost close to an eight war type of player. The defense is spectacular. The offense is also spectacular. Um, he is number 11. Julio, number 12, just being the young superstar he is. I think he was number five on my uh, all outfield list last week. So he rounds out, I think, the fifth outfielder I have on this list. I think it's right now, so far, it's really outfield heavy for me. Um, and then, of course, 13 is Trey Turner slowly uh but right behind um carlos correa i i just think that trey turner there, there's a lack of uh i think some defensive play he still has i think some trouble on the defensive aspect of the game um not the top defensive shortstop in the game but still of course a very very productive hitter and a very very good base aggressive runner and and everything he does on the base pass and the best slide in major league baseball but that's number 13 and then of course acuna jr tatis jr um, two guys that honestly, I, I'm a little surprised. I have them a little bit too low. I, I think that in years past, these guys are in my top seven. Uh, but right now they're at 14 and 15. I'm just, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm a little bit of a question mark on, uh, on, on these two guys, just to see what I can get from this year. I feel like they're, they just have been put into a interesting area. Acuna with being, uh, coming off the ACL, um, tear and not really having him his true self i want to see what he can do this year and then of course tatis i want to see what he can do this year in right field so a little bit i think i'm a little bit low on these guys and i will admit it i, I think that these guys will rise heavily throughout the season if, if everything goes as planned but that's that's kind of how i put those guys out of my list uh anything you want to uh, chime in yeah so i'll go first on the tatis thing so I don't have a big problem with where you have him just because he has more question marks than the guys in your top 10, right? Almost everyone in your top 10, yeah. we feel pretty good about them being there every game, first of all, not getting into trouble, not having a fluke injury off the field, you know. There's just a level of trust we might not have in Tatis, and I think that's fair. I think he's earned a little bit of distrust. That being said, I think it just comes down to what we really factored in our lists, and what I really factored the most is um, what I think you will do uh, production wise next season and i'm almost always thinking about like best case scenario what do you look like worst case scenario what do you look like and i think that travis i feel very confident that tis will be a top five hitter in baseball next year i don't really care where he's playing defense and yes 100 agree if he was still playing shortstop there'd be more value i agree with that 100 but even as a right fielder i think he is going to immediately become neck and neck with aaron judge for the best right field hitting 
player in baseball. I think that that's really the kind of guy we're talking about here uh, when it comes to what he does offensively. I, I looked at um, Steamer and Zips and the bat, all different projection systems on Fangraphs. They all have him in top five WRC plus for next year. Obviously, Travis, like you said, maybe the steroid thing. <laughs> I like I, I I've made it clear on the podcast. I don't think it was performance enhancing. I think it was something he got prescribed or something he tried out for whatever condition, something that was probably kind of silly and ended up having baseball consequences. And and that's you know of course that's on him, and he needs to kind of be smarter about that kind of thing. But I don't think we're in a situation where we see this massive power fall off like as if you just took the steroids out of Barry Bonds' body at, yeah. at age 40 yeah. and he stops hitting home runs. I think that's just not, not, that's not the case in my opinion. So all that being said, I am clearly, clearly higher on Tatis than most um, despite he's given us reasons to be concerned. But he still is going to steal bags. He's still going to be um, a top speed in baseball on the bases. He's still going to hit the ball very, very hard. Uh, he had some of the best exit velocity numbers the last time that we saw him on the baseball field. So I am not too concerned with his production. If he can be an everyday player, uh, I'm also ignoring the fact that he's going to miss some time because of the suspension. I'm not kind. I'm just talking about how good are you? Um, I is think it, is it may he comes back or it's something like that. I forget because the postseason games by the Padres actually helped them come back earlier oh, okay. than otherwise. So it is something like that. It's either going to be like late April or May or something. So um, with that in mind, I think that the production is going to be on another level. I think he is going to be like a top five MVP vote getter, even though he's going to miss a month, let's just say. So uh, I, I'm super high on him uh, as I've made it clear. Um, who else? We already kind of touched on Acuna a little bit. Correa, we both have in almost the same exact range yep. um, for good reason. I think Julio was your number 10. Yes. Okay. So and I was had 12, him at what, so, 12. And yeah. it, it's just crazy how, um, how high his stock has risen in the last year, but it really comes down to this. I think his ceiling is like borderline MVP. I'm not yeah. sure if his bat is going to ever going to get to the level of an Acuna or a trout on his best years or, or, a, or a, whoever else you want to name on their back, a Soto on their best years. But I do think the floor is so high because he's going to be playing some gold gloves, center field defense. He's going to be stealing 30 bags. He's going to be hitting the ball hard. He's going to be probably getting 25, 30 home runs. Uh, with that in mind, even if he never has one of these crazy, like 160, 170 OPS plus years, he is still going to consistently be, I think an MVP conversations, um, and he's a key part of his team. He's going to be in the middle of that order, the very top of that order, I'd say. So over there in Seattle. So I do think that he has earned to be this high, even though he's this young and is only going to keep getting better from here. Uh, who else? Yeah, Correa, we have him in almost the same spot. He is someone who there is this injury concern, apparently, that the league who has access to his medicals, there's, there's you know, apparently some questions Um maybe some cause for concern, but from everything he's shown us with his play, he is able to kind of overcome these injuries and put up monster years year after year. And even last year, we talked, we talked about it a lot, almost as good in terms of war and stuff as his 2021, which was his crazy contract year. Um, but he was a little bit more under the radar last year. So, uh, tons of like with Correa. Um, I found let's, let's go Machado, I guess, since we got it. Yeah. Um, I have him at 13. You had him at what? Seven, eight, eight. Yeah. So Machado, I think that he is the second best third baseman after J Ram, who we also kind of agreed on where he was at. Um, I think Machado 
has this high floor because of his defense being really good, having one of the best arms of any infielder in baseball. Also, the bat, he continues to hit the ball really hard. I think he's extra motivated because of how close they got in the playoffs last year. He picked up the slack when Tatis went out, but this year having Tatis back at some point, having Soto the whole season, this lineup's going to be absolutely crazy. And of course, when I'm making up, I'm only thinking about just his numbers, but I'm a big believer in what he can do um, out there on the baseball field. I think that uh, he, he was one of the first players, Travis, to get an intentional, or what would you even call it? They get a strike called by the umpire for the pitch clock reasons. Yes, I think books. I think he was the first guy to do that in spring training. So, you know, maybe there could be an adjustment period, but I'm not worried about that at all, of course. That's just something that every player is going to have to get used to a little bit. Um, but I think that what we can expect from Machado is, um, you know, being one of the best hitting infielders in baseball and also one of the best defensive infielders in baseball. So for me, um, not quite in my top 10 because I think, either the floor or the ceiling of guys like Julio and Trey Turner might be a little bit higher. Um, also, the positional importance of third base is not quite the same as shortstop or center field, but I, I do think that um, the value Machado is going to bring is going to be huge. Um, I'll save off on Bregman and uh, Seager until, okay. you, until you mention them, if you do. So uh, want to keep it rolling? Let's do it. I'll, I'll start with 16 through 20. Um, Number 16, I, I finally get to my first uh, first baseman, but Paul Goldschmidt will go to number 16 for me. Uh, 17, I actually go to Justin Verlander, my second starting pitcher on the list. Uh, 18, I have Bryce Harper. Number 19, I go with Sandy Alcantara. And number 20, I go with Freddie Freeman. So getting some of the first baseman and starting pitching in there in this bottom half of the uh, teens. Um, and then also, of course, Bryce Harper, I think just being... Um, I know right field and DH, he's going to be both, but I think that, uh, again, he's kind of like a Soto and also kind of like a Alvarez where just the bat is just so deep and so good. We Again, we saw a lot of it in the postseason. Didn't really have a great regular season, but I just think what he picked up in the postseason, um, it's hard to ignore. But that's my rounding out the top, uh, the top 20. But who do you got for year 16 through 20? So 16, I finally get to Arenado. He's just, uh, you know, two spots below Bregman, who was a third baseman above him on my list of third baseman. So Arenado is 16. 17, I get to Corbin Burns. Finally, Travis, my first pitcher, is on the board. Uh, Corbin Burns. Moving on to 18, I go to Kyle Tucker. 19, I get to Bryce Harper, so we have him in a very similar spot. And then 20, Travis, to my surprise, Adley Rushman is a top 20 player for me for MLB next year. Wow, all right. Adley all right. Rushman. One of the catcher. My catcher, uh, my number one catcher is also going to be in my top 20 for MLB. So okay. let, let's talk about some of the guys. Arenado, I guess I'll mention first since I finally get to him. You had him up at what, nine? Number nine, yeah. Yep. So I think that, I don't think either spot's crazy, you know. I think that last year he had his best season, in my opinion, um, of his career you could argue that there were some years where he had more counting stats when he was over in Colorado, Colorado. Yeah. but I think given the park conditions of Colorado I think actually his uh, performance last year was the most impressive it was his best OPS plus of his career his best WRC plus in his career by quite a lot actually a 151 WRC plus his next best was only 133 so a really a big step up in my mind offensively if you look at the um the the park adjusted stats that kind of factor in the Coors effect so um one thing I'll say Travis is I think he figured something out I'm not sure what it is 
but he figured out something about just pulling fly balls. And I'm not sure what the deal is, but it's really interesting how his expected numbers are kind of worse than his uh, than his actual performance by kind of a lot. And I think it's because he figured out um, pulling the ball. Um, I'm pulling up his stat cast numbers right now. But overall, I think the biggest takeaway is we're talking about, obviously, the best defensive third baseman. I mean, you could argue Matt Chapman as well, I think. But I think that saying Arenado is very, very fair. So the the floor is high. That's why he has to be in my top 20. Because yep. the floor is, you know, Brooks Robinson defense, like, like you've said many times. Um, I'm not sure what we're going to get from the bat year in and year out because... I think it's been a little bit inconsistent, right? His raw exit velocity stuff has not been that great. He's actually, Travis, surprisingly below average last year in hard hit percentage. Hard hits are considered, I believe, 95 miles an hour and above. And he uh, is below average at how often he hits the ball at that kind of speed. The one thing, he's really unique. Uh, The one thing that you wouldn't really expect from a guy who's out here hitting over 30 home runs is he's actually really good at avoiding the strikeout. He's actually more of a contact guy than a power guy in many ways, looking at his stat cast numbers. Um, but he doesn't have the speed that kind of that most contact guys do. So he's a really unique profile in my mind that most people might not really take a deep dive into kind of what he brings to the table. But if you look on StatCast, Travis, you look at his um, the spray chart here, every single home run left field or left center, nothing center field, yep. nothing oppo. And so I'm not sure exactly what approach they're giving him in, in St. Louis, but it led to a breakout year. Um, the pulled fly ball is working for him. Um, he does chase quite a bit. He doesn't walk a ton, but walks a decent amount. Um, but the hard hit stuff being a lot lower than years past is definitely interesting to me. I'm not exactly sure what to expect from him um, like next year or going forwards, but Uh, I think that my biggest takeaway is if he can continue kind of striving from this pulled power, um, then maybe that will work. Travis, I think it's a very similar story for Alex Bregman. He's not someone with tons of raw power, in my opinion, but he just kind of benefits off that Crawford box and knows how to pull a fly ball. I think Arnaldo is kind of doing a similar thing. So um, a really interesting guy that I'm not sure what to expect from next year. If he can keep doing that pulled power thing, then he might have another great year. But um, just looking at the exit velocity stuff, I'm not very impressed. So um, it, it's I can see it really both ways, which I, that little bit of concern for me is why he's not top 10. But um, anything to add on that? And I guess explain also why you had Arenado in your top 10 since um, that's a bit of a difference for us. It is a difference. Um, and, and you said it perfectly when you said his ceiling is just so high, or his floor is already so high. Um, I think even with a bad year of Arenado, you're still going to get like a five or six war. I think he had a seven, nine baseball reference war. And so I just look at that and I say, you know what? Even if you were to pop more home runs or have a little bit better even offensive numbers last year, which I mean, it may, may be a little bit harder because he had a career year offensively, um, you're still going to get around that seven war. I just think that's so valuable when you look at the total package where you look at a lot of these players. Um, I think I, I'd have to go back and check, but just looking at Arenado's you know, track record, uh, it's it, it almost seems like I mentioned, set, uh, you know, I know he's got like 10 gold gloves, six platinum gloves, but every single season you just see that the, the war is just so high. Going back already to um, his track record, since 2015, um, he has had a war that is over a six, uh, let's see, uh, six times uh, since 2015. So you're looking at eight seasons 
and that's also including 2020 where that was pretty much impossible but if you disclude 2020 uh six out of the seven seasons he has had a six or higher war so i i i look at that and i think the ceiling is just or i'm sorry again the floor is just so high that uh we're looking at a guy that you know it, it, at the bare minimum is still giving insane productivity uh to to what he's able to offer so that, that's the main reason why having him so so high on my list same thing with machado machado having great defense also having a great bat the floor is just so high where i, I know what i'm already going to get in terms of war in terms of production from a lot of these guys where um some of the other guys maybe i just don't know i think you know with with juan soto um he of course had some some part of a, a little bit of a fall off from this year in the offensive uh area only a 5.6 war that's still pretty good even though considering he had a really big fall off on the slugging percentage but i just feel like with soto his ceiling of course is much higher than a lot of these guys but the floor is a little bit of course wider in that aspect so i think with with some of these players i look at the floor is just such a a set in stone uh level that i, I really can't ignore that even looking at soto's last year um you know only actually last year a 7.1 had a monstrous monstrous season last year uh but a little bit of a fall off i i just think with going back to the floor and the ceiling the the floor is so high for some of these guys i have to have them already at a uh at a at a top 10 but sure um, but i see where your point's at too we're it, it's funny even arenado i noticed this year the 30 home runs it doesn't seem impressive but you look at uh, impressive you look at the ops plus though it's over a 150 uh the, he, had, by he, far he had a career year which i feel like going, even going back i'm looking at some of his days in colorado and i'm like it doesn't seem like he had a career season i mean i think in 2016 or 17 he had like 40 plus doubles and 40 plus home runs and it's like wouldn't you think that'd be a crazy crazy year but he didn't even crack a 900 ops that year uh, and the OPS plus was, I think it was around like a 127 when you think you look at those counting stats and you're just like, holy cow, that just is like a monstrous level. But um, I, I think Arenado uh, isn't this type of hitter a lot of these guys are. Um, but I think what what he brings with the glove, it, it really saves him in being that complete package of a player. So that's why sure. top 10 for me, uh, I, I like him and Machado neck and neck right there because they are such a huge overall package of a player. You're not just getting a strong hitter and a weak defender like some guys will talk about later on the list, or at least I will on, on, on my list. But I just think that with, uh, with, with, with so far starting at that base with the defense, that's such a strong thing to build off of the offense. If you put the offense together in a season like these two guys did last year, I mean, you're looking at what I think uh, Machado number two in MVP, Arenado number three in MVP. Um, you're looking at guys that are knocking on the door for an MVP uh, award. So, um, reasoning for that for their my top ten. I think that makes sense. Uh, other guys I want to talk about. I'm going to hold off, of course, on Seager for the time being because yep. you still haven't named him, if you will, at all. Uh, Burns, I guess, was a good guy to go now. Um, my first pitcher is 17th in baseball. Uh, you had him where? Seventh? I had number seven, yeah. yeah. So about a 10-spot difference. I think, Travis, the biggest reasoning for me having him this low is I just feel like maybe it's just because we're in – maybe we're just spoiled with really, really elite position player talent. There's I, just, I, I think I had to throw a little starting pitching glove in there as well. So I, I, I think yeah. that's fine. I think it's fine. I'm not going to I'm not gonna complain or say that you're wrong. I just think that – um, I think we're so spoiled that like everyone who I have above Burns, Travis, is in my opinion, even if, you know, you can argue that Burns being the best at his position uh, is worth being top 10. I think that's a fine argument. But I also think this, if you had to tell me Julio Rodriguez or Ronald Acuna Jr. or, you know, Carlos Correa 
Would you rather have one of them or Corbin Burns? As great as Burns is, and maybe the team might need Burns more, depending on what yeah, team we're talking about. True. Just in terms of who's going to produce more, I would expect personally less from Burns than those guys, just because of the nature of the starting pitcher role. Um, and also just the nature of how good some of these position players are. And I really feel like I've never been this confused about the starting pitcher, kind of top five, top 10 starting pitchers in baseball. As talented as these guys are, it feels like year to year, it's pretty inconsistent besides Burns. So, But Burns yep. solidly had to be here for me. But um, we'll see the rest of my list, Travis. I am like... My two through five starting pitchers, I don't know how much I can trust any of these guys, you know? So yeah, yeah. it's really or at least being top 25, you know? Yeah. Right. It's yeah. really, right. I mean, I can trust these guys to be all, like, I can trust Serger to be like an all star, but yep. can I trust him to be a top 25 player in baseball? Like, I don't know. He's getting old. There's been injuries. Cole has trouble with the long ball. Rodon, let me see you do it for a full season again, you know? Alcantara yeah. has been, yeah, of course. Alcantara has been a workhorse, but maybe at some point the weak contact. Uh, starts falling for more base hits so you know we'll see how these guys do going forwards but i'm just a little bit concerned with guys that are not named corbin burns but burns does crack my list he's and, he's elite in my and, mind. and they're definitely not like the 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 sexy pick i would say you know if we did a draft in a video game alex i think i'd be more hungry to go after position players you know if, sure. if, if we did a snake draft we're like okay who are you taking right now of course otani's kind of that wild card because he does both right but if you take otani out of the equation you're kind of like okay i want to get mike trout okay then i want to get aaron judge okay then you can get you know jose ramirez and you kind of go after and, all those position players but then the pitchers just kind of get left out um i i think it's a it's an interesting thing that a lot of us do where i i pitching so important but i feel like it's just not at times the 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 sexy and, pick to go after because we're only seeing him once a week and that's a good way to put it the sexy pick because i think you can also tie sexy pick to being like um a pick that i can really feel good about and i think like a guy like Degrom a couple years ago was like yeah a, he was a sexy pick too because like if this guy does everything right he is a top you know two three player in baseball right like just Definitely. not 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 pitcher just player in baseball Garrett Cole 2019 I think was a top five player that year possibly just based on what he produced yep. you know yep. so there's these guys who have these kind of years and they earn like Kershaw obviously prime Kershaw was obviously a top five player in baseball he had like three signings in four years something like that yeah um so you know those kind of performances was he number was he number two one of those i think he was like, he was number one one year oh that's right him and mike trout were were uh battling i think it was like out. the 2014 yeah. maybe or that's something right. like that but, that's right um so yeah one year and we network said that curse was the best player in baseball so it's just crazy that you know which when, when you're in some of these some of these yeah. pitchers peaks um you see these crazy high rankings but right now besides burns i don't know who's having their peak i mean it's either old guys there's an old guy category there's uh there's <laughs> yeah, a there's yeah. a, I don't really fully trust you yet category that's like maybe I I trust Rodon for like fantasy and for like Cy Young pick but just for saying top player in baseball I don't trust him to be that guy necessarily um Alcantara someone who you know has been really good but I think that the lack of strikeouts is going to bite him at some point one of these seasons uh so it's really tough for me to kind of say which pitcher is, is next next up like i think Definitely. burns is the only guy who like you are in your prime right now and i really yep. trust you to be good next year and he's not a sexy pick he throws you know just really really elite cutters and sinkers and yep. like guys can't hit them so I, um, I i was i will point out too that he and i know i know i'm not expecting him to be at all in your top 25 i think i don't even know if he was in your top five i don't think for starting pitching but like a guy like justin verlander um older guy but 
I don't know, I, Alex, I still am having some level of trust with him because I just know he's going to eat up a ton of innings. And I think the strikeouts did drop a little bit last year, but I, I don't know. I, I'm just almost that level now where it's like, it's it's just he's, kind of an expected pick. I know Degrom he's was proven that it guy. enough times to you. Yes, Degrom was that guy where it was just like Alex Degrom is the best player. Like I think a couple of years ago we were talking about where it's just like why are we not putting Cy Young money on Degrom because Jacob Degrom's always going to be a top three guy. Like it's always there, but the health kind of kicked in with Verlander. He did of course go through Tommy John, but since then we just haven't seen too much of a of a health problem. Again, it'll be interesting to see how it changes going to the NL. Um, you know, if the health can keep staying up, but um, with Justin Verlander, he's a guy that, again, that I, I know he's old, but I just feel like he's still, he's still shoving it. And I, he's still a guy I can still definitely count on to eat up a ton of innings and give you really good numbers. So um, that that's another reason why number 17 for me, um, I am expecting a slight of course, I'm, I'm expecting a drop-off this year. I don't think he's going to have the same ERA he did last year, but um, I, I'm expecting a little bit of those numbers to take a step back. So uh, number 17, I feel like getting him in here for the last time, uh, we'll see exactly how he can pan out if he can still keep those same numbers. Uh, and then moving on to other guys we both already mentioned, Bryce Harper, Travis, mm-hmm. uh, you said it well. He is kind of in this Soto, your Don category, but we can just trust his bat a little bit less, I'd say. Definitely. There's a bit more of an injury thing going on, and there's a bit more of an age thing going on with him than the other two. But he was so good in the postseason and obviously so good in 2021. You just have to have faith in his abilities. He still hits the ball incredibly hard. He's always had a really good eye. Um, there is a bit of swing and miss in his game, but you know, that's been true for most of the MVPs recently, like judge and Otani and all these guys. So I think there's tons of like about Harper, but I see the ceiling as a lot lower considering he's not going to be playing much defense. I really see him as a DH for the next, at least this coming season, if not seasons to come, he still has the heck out of the ball though, and has a good eye. So he still has to be, I think a top 10 hitter in baseball. And therefore, even though there's no defense for me, he's like a top 20, uh, player overall, uh, so that, that that's where I have him at. I had him at what uh, nineteen. You had 19, him at eighteen. 18. Yep. Yeah. So r- pretty similar consensus there. Everyone else, I think that I've mentioned, you haven't yet. So we can probably keep it rolling. Definitely. Do you want to round out the top twenty-five here? Sure. Yep. So twenty-one. Um, I go with Rafael Devers. Twenty-two. I go with Pete Alonso. Uh, twenty-three. I actually go back to the first base. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Uh, 24, I go Austin Riley and 25, Alex, that's where I land with Corey Seager. Uh, that will be rounding out my, uh, 21 to 25, top 25. Uh, let me know who you got. We can discuss cause I know we're waiting till this last part. Yeah. So this is where it gets tough for me, Travis. Uh, so 21, I go Jose Altuve, um, it gets to the part where it's really tough to kind of compare these positions because Altuve, yep. I think we both had him as our best second baseman, right? Yep. But how does that stack up against, you know, the third best shortstop or the fourth best third baseman? Yep. Uh, it, it gets really tricky. Um, keep, keep looking down. Uh, 22, I go for Francisco Lindor. I think that Lindor personally uh, is a bit underrated because of what he provides defensively. Uh, number 23, I actually go... Brandon Nimmo, probably a surprise, wow, all but right. just looking down my list, he was next up for center field um, amongst my center field picks. And I do think that he can provide this level of upside personally when he is uh, doing everything perfect, uh, you know, 
I think I've said it before, but like I think a four and a half to a player is a good way to put it because he doesn't have the raw power, yeah. but he can get uh, some good you know, extra base power, has the speed, has the defense out there playing the most important position in the outfield and center field. So he's 23 for me. 24, I go to Vladimir Guerrero Jr., who was my uh, number one overall first baseman. Um, I, I'm a bit lower on first baseman for these types of lists just because... I think that there is a lack of production from the uh, defensive side of things as well as the base running side of things. But, you know, it's kind of like the same thing as this Harper and, um, you know, Soto category. But I can just, you know, not equip, not put quite as much stock in Guerrero Jr., but I still think he has, he has the ability to be an MVP hitter. Um, even if the defense is a bit lacking um, at, a, at a position that's already kind of weak in general. And then 25, Travis, I go with Jacob deGrom. And that is just okay. sort of like a pick where I know that there's a chance next year that you're the most valuable player in baseball. There's a chance. Yeah, definitely. Um, and it's it's not likely because there's this injury component. But I think on a rate basis, he's still the best pitcher in baseball if he is healthy the whole year. It's not a great bet in my mind. But if it were to happen... I would definitely not be incredibly shocked. So he had to make my top 25. I had to squeeze him in in the very last spot. So this is the point where we have lots of uh, things. Yeah, that yeah. The, the, guys we decided, the guys we decided to squeak in here at the end were quite different, I'd say. Um, and, and where where to be, start? Where I, to start? I, I will say it's funny because, I mean, I'm not like – I know in my first base list I put Pete Alonso ahead of Vladimir Guerrero Jr. So there are ways I'll say like, you know – the way you kind of constructed each position's list, that's the order sure. I will say that it, it should have gone in, which I'm, I'm, I definitely, everything you said, it, it did go. Um, let's see. Cause I mean, right now I'm trying to look at my list and think about omissions. Like who did I have that you didn't it's tough have? Because I had no catchers. I had no second baseman. I, I, to me, I didn't feel that the catching, I don't think real mutos at all on this level. I think Adley's, almost on this level i think having altuve at number number one at second baseman i just feel like there's so many better middle infielders out there so i think that the third base shortstop uh and outfield um lists are just so so deep and that's maybe yeah. how i kind of constructed this i knew going in alex i knew the outfield list was going to go crazy crazy uh down all the way almost close to the bottom but um i know i'm trying to find a way we can construct this i know it's kind of a so I'll just start. I'll just start picking guys that you didn't have, and I'll just Got kind it. of make a case for them. And then if you think of guys that uh, I didn't have, then you can make a case for them. So I'll start off with a couple guys. Uh, you don't have Bregman, correct? No. So Bregman, I had him as high as 14th, the best player in baseball next season. Mm-hmm. It might seem high to some. Uh, he is. I can say this about a lot of guys, but he is, I think, one of the most unique players in the game. Uh, he just does a hitting approach that is. I think super uncommon. Last season, he walked 13% of his plate appearances, so a great eye, and struck out only 11%, 11.7 to be exact. So he is walking more than striking out while also being a 23 home run hitter. So it's just a really unique ability for him to have a great eye, but also not swing and miss, but also hit the ball well. And he doesn't crush the ball, but I think he just has that ballpark mastered. He can just batter it off the the left field. The Crawford boxes plus like that big wall out there in left center, like you hit it off that, it's a free double. Um, if you get a lucky bounce off the side there, it's it could be a triple. 
Um, and then I think he can he, he can line one oppo for a home run or he can just kind of pull a fly ball with not insane pop, but just pull it in the air and it's going to go out, um, you know, more often than not. So I think that he just has an approach that's so perfectly kind of figured out. I think his ceiling, sorry, I think his floor is quite high because um, even if he has a poor batting average year, I mean, outside of 2020, he really has not had that many down years in my mind. I mean, 2021, actually a 114 OPS or a 114 WRC plus is, is, is more than you'd like. You'd like to see higher, uh, higher than that from him. But I think a 136 WRC plus with a great glove last year, he was good for five and a half uh, fan graphs for last year. I think that's more than doable again. His bat wasn't even that crazy. I could see him doing a bit better offensively. He was better offensively in 2018 and 2019. Um, of course, people will talk about trash cans. Uh, you know, no no comment there. I think that, you know, I think he's still a great hitter despite the, uh, obviously, the the cheating uh, scandal and all that. So um, with that being said, I think there's a great case to say that he will be at least a top 20, top 25 player next season. Um, there's not that many weaknesses in his game. Uh, the base running is not terrible. The defense is, is definitely above average. And I think that he just is such a key part of a really key team. So, I love the way he's kind of got his his hitting figured out with no weaknesses. It's not like he swings a noodle bat, yep. and it's not like he uh, he has good eye and, and good uh, bat to ball skills. So I'm high on Bregman, higher than most. Seager Travis is someone who I have and you don't. I'm at 15. I am at 25. So yeah, I, I, oh my bad. He did squeak in, but I I'm, I, I want to talk about that one too. Yeah, sure. So it is a difference. I'll go first, and then you can kind of give me your thoughts okay. as well. So Corey Seager Travis. We are both a bit high on him, as we discussed when we were doing our shortstop rankings. Was he was he top three for you? I think he was third. I'm okay. trying Same. to. I think we had a similarity there, and he was third for me as well. I, I think that's right because uh, we both have a high opinion of what he might be able to do with the shift band this year. He is someone who is prone to pulled ground balls on occasion. Um, I think he's going to benefit a lot from not having the second baseman playing pretty much short right field. Uh, I think that's going to help his uh, batting average go up. He had a pretty low batting average last year, 245. In years past, he had above 300 sometimes. He's hit above 300 actually four different times in his career, but last year down at a 440, 245. Part of that's just the change in the game, change in the ball, all that kind of stuff. But I do see him. He still hits the ball incredibly hard. He's a uniquely aggressive hitter, so I feel like he has a chance to not be amazing offensively like 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 last year he was 117 wrc plus which for a shortstop is very good but not an mvp candidate in any way i do think that he just has like this weird chance with his with his level of aggression like the first pitch swing he always does there's definitely a chance where he just um lucks into some insane batting average with good on base and really good power for a shortstop i think he's the guy with mvp upside so that's why he made 15th on my list because um, I'm big on the ceiling, and I think that you know if he just hits the ball the way we know he can, um, plays decent enough defense to be an everyday shortstop. Texan, Texas maybe sneaks into the playoffs, wild card. Yep. Maybe, even if they don't, um, he has the ability to be an MVP candidate. So, give me your thoughts now on, on Seager. Yeah, I, I'm I'm completely with you. Uh, I, I'm not on the same level of the ranking. I think that 25 is fitting just because la last year it was a little bit of a um, 
a, a, I wouldn't say a downfall with his hitting numbers, but there, but the shift was a big concern. So I think that uh, still being, I think MLB had him like at number like 60 something, Alex, or like they had like, when they made their list or whatever, it was like 60 or it was just way, way down. They're wrong. I, I know they're, they're just, they're not, Listen they're, not, to they're, us, not folks. they're not expecting the year that we, we already see from him. But uh, I think 25 being on that uh, exact point is, is fitting. Um, I'm still with you. He is the third best right now going into next year. He should be the third best shortstop in the game. Um, I, I, I love that you said, you know, with hitting the ball hard and also with the shift, I, I just think that that being banned, that'll open a lot more pockets for him to get base hits. The average should go up. Um, a lot of those numbers also should go up as well. I, I think that you're looking at a guy that, you know, right now is probably going to be close to cracking possibly 30 something home runs next year. I think that ballpark really is good to hitters. And so uh, I think that next year could be a monstrous year for Corey Seager. Pray Alex that something wacky doesn't happen. Like he has some season ending injury in week one and we're just knock on wood. Angel fans were kind of happy, but also as like baseball fans were also just looking at as like, good God, this guy, we thought we were going to have just monster years, but, but um, I, I, I do think that um, what we're, what we're kind of projecting I don't think it's coincidence that we both have like the similar kind of optimism for him. If you look at some of the underlying numbers, yes, last year, you look at the batting average, you look at the OPS, it's not the numbers of years past for him. But I think if you look at the underlying stats, he's top five percentile in expected WOBA, in expected batting average, in expected slugging. The ball doesn't really bounce his way, in my opinion. Uh, he has really good uh, contact skills and gets enough walks as well. He has plenty of home runs to opposite field, center field, pulled homers, and then tons of doubles down like the right field line that I can just see that number going way up um, with less shift. So um, I think there's just tons of to like that we are both kind of seeing here. Uh, the, the, the upside is there. And, and the 2020 playoff run he went on, yep. to me... You know, it's a short sample size, but seeing that level of a run by a player, that that's to me the indicator of the upside potential. If he can do yeah. that for like a month in the playoffs, he can do that for a month in in, in July or August. You know, yeah, and yeah. just really um, put a case for that MVP, right? And w w when the race gets tough, he can be that guy that gets aggressive, gets hot at the right time, um, and mashes for a consistent period playing shortstop at a, at a, at a high level. So, yeah. um, yeah. we see the same thing with Seager. It seems like who else, um, did you ever get to Tucker or no? I did not get the Tucker. He was number 10 on my outfield. And I think I also had Michael Harris in there as well. So there was, a, I think I forget the last guy I stopped at. I think sure. it was, uh, it might've been Tatis Jr. was the last, I think I went, only went seven outfielders, but they were all in the top 15. So again, th there are so many guys that I think that are, are almost on that level. Um, they just didn't, they were already number nine or 10 on my list for positions. So I'm not going to include them. But like I said, outfield was so deep. I think it was the most deep position then in third base as well. Um, Talk to me a little bit about no, I know they're the same player practically. We talked about the stats, but no Devers, no Riley. I don't think I heard anything from you. That's correct. Yeah, I, I got towards the end of it and I had to kind of make some decisions about if I wanted to include my fifth or sixth, the best third baseman or my number one second baseman in Altuve. Yep. So that, that's probably the comparison I would make is like either like an Altuve or a Lindor versus a Devers or Riley. I think Devers or Riley, Travis, both have this ability to be one of the best hitters in baseball next season. But I think there is a bit of an, <coughs> there's a bit of a, maybe an, I wouldn't say concern, but there's just like this chance, I'd say, that they have a slump 
uh, half year or a couple yeah. months. And we saw it with Devers last year, first half, Travis, looking like one of the best players in baseball. Second half, one of the worst hitters in baseball, yeah. honestly. I don't know what happened in that kind of you know flip-flop he had. But I'll put it this way. I just see um, Altuve. I feel like he's figured out something that works for him. Not too dissimilar from uh, Bregman. Uh, Altuve's putting the ball in the air more and just pulling it. And that ballpark rewards it. So he's kind of figured out a way to unlock the most of his game at his ballpark. Um, the power is kind of ticked up in a way that many people probably didn't expect. And he still has that great contact ability too. Um, I think it's much much less likely for Altuve to just like drop off and like not be a top five second yeah. baseman next year. Whereas if Riley, if Riley or, or Devers, even though I wouldn't bet on it, I think there's still a chance that they might just... Um, not have the season as expected. Right. Like, and yeah, I, think, I think I think as Devers has probably a bit uh, of a swing and a miss thing and some chasing issue. Um, I think that Riley has a swing and a miss thing as well. Both not very good defensively either. So I think it's definitely interesting. And Travis, one funny thing I saw, um, there's a, 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 a diagram I've seen going around. And I don't know if teams are going to be allowed to do this, if they're going to try this. But this is how it essentially works. You can no longer put your infielders on the grass, right? Outfield grass. Yep. But people have said, what if we put our left fielder where we used to put that second baseman? So you still have the right fielder playing deep right field. You have the center fielder probably playing like left center. And then you have your left fielder playing behind the second baseman like a, like a pseudo kind of rover out there. Yep. And then you have the shortstop kind of over behind second base and you kind of shift, you kind of do as much shifting as you can. Better well, see some spectacular infield play from the uh, left fielder, right? Well, right. And so, so I think the left fielder would be, would be playing like, yeah, short, right. And then the center fielder would have to cover like the left field corner. But and, then, then the funny thought happens. If a ground ball gets past Devers or Riley, imagine them sprinting down the line backwards just to go get the ball to a cut off an inside the park homer. Like that would yeah. be such a funny scenario that like, that's one reason why you might not want to try that approach because you have to really trust your third baseman to make the plays that if any ball gets past him, it's a triple at least, right? It's just kind of funny. And also, I'm thinking about uh, Juan Soto playing around second base. Imagine a lefty throwing oh, from that position. No, no, you get no. like an awkward ball to you, and you got to like switch your whole body around to throw the ball to first base. And it's like, can that throw be accurate? Uh, but that, that's a good thought. I, I didn't, I didn't think about that at all. I thought that some guys would get a little trickier. I feel like the Rays of that team that would that would try to do something like that, where it's like, let's bring the guy in a little more, and and, and I mean, I could the see center it, fielder you know, a little over, and so they've done the four off uh, thing before. Yeah, well, let me ask you this: Who has the higher floor, Riley or Devers? The higher floor. That's a fun question. Let me think about that. So I think that offensively, they're so they're so similar. Um, I did rank Riley higher. Yeah. I'm gonna say Riley is the higher floor because yep. I ranked Same. Riley higher, but I think Devers might have the higher ceiling. I completely agree. We're I, agreeing? I, I I think Riley has just a set. You know, you're gonna get a, a decent defense, and then also I think the offense is is uh, is is very good as well. I I think we've. I what did what did Devers? What did he do for WAR last year? The thing a four point four. The thing with Riley is he hits the ball really hard. Um, his issues and are three point five last year. I mean, I mean, you're literally getting not great WAR seasons where Riley's going to have six WAR, you know, almost on a consistent basis. I feel like right. So here's my thought: Devers, if I'm looking at what he provided last year, 
um, hit the ball really hard. I think Riley actually hit the ball a little bit better, even though Devers is still did, one yep. of the best raw power guys. Um, Devers is a bit better at contact, but he has more chase. And I think chase something, Travis, um, tells me low floor. But being bad at chase, like yep. you chase too Very many true. pitches. Very true. To me, that just I just think about Javi Baez. And like you just you just think about <laughs> yep. a guy who swings at a ball that might be bouncing to him, you know. Travis, hitting a major league pitcher is very, very difficult. So I'm not like trying to make fun of these guys. No, you know, no, I, yeah, I would, yeah. I would look like such the fool, obviously. But Riley's a bit better at avoiding chasing, and that's to me something that says there's less of a chance you just lose it for a whole month and yeah. just forget what you're doing up there. True, true. Um, it's less of a chance to be in that level of a funk. So they both have about comparable defense. I think Riley's actually a little bit faster, but you know, I think that the profiles are so similar. It's hard to say. Either one I could see being top three MVP or no MVP votes at all, just depending on the years they have. So it's definitely fu a fun comparison. But both don't make my list just because I do think that, I mean, if we're talking about floor, Travis, Lindor's floor might be higher than either. I think that Lindor playing, you know, elite defense as a shortstop yeah. while still being a switch hitting guy in the middle of the order that's going to, you know, might not be an elite bat. I mean, his bat. Very, to be very to be very clear is nowhere near the level of these guys but it's it's more about the completeness of the yeah, game yeah um and i agree i agree i think there's a lot more that goes into just the bat that you can look at i think also like he said the discipline i think that's why that's why we look at soto and it's like i, I think he has a, a a decent floor but also the the ceiling is just also he can go off to have one of those like one of the greatest offensive seasons of you know since bonds so right and and so just to like i guess make my point like i can see riley or Devers having, let's just say, like a 140 OPS plus. So a very, yep. very good all-star level hitting season. But the bad defense and playing third base, let's say you maybe end up at like a four, five, six war, or something like that. I could see Lindor getting a six or five war being like a 120, 115 OPS plus, but being just a really great glove and stealing 20 bags or yep. whatever it is. Yep. So like there's just different ways to get your value right. And uh, I think that you know, Lindor has also been an Ironman. Last year, he played 161 games. And he back in Cleveland, he had over 155 games played in three straight years in his prime. Yeah. So I do think that there's this level of consistency to Lindor's game that he really got back to last year. Last year, I feel like a little bit of vintage Lindor with great defense and hitting the ball well. So I do think that um, there's a level of a, a, of a floor there that at least – at least you're getting an above average hitter with some of the most viable defense in the game. I do agree. I do agree. Um, Alex, I think that pretty much wraps up. I think we'd be here all night if we just kept on debating on some of these true. guys. Uh, I, I knew Alex, I, I was, I was strongly uh, liking my chances that we were gonna have a very, exactly the same top three. And we did. <laughs> I, I thought the same thing. I was like, I and, think then, and then I knew you would not have to these fourth. So, and, and the, I love the argument is the angels have, either you know the top two players in MLB or, or two of the top three MLB and they still can't be a 500 team I love I love hearing that on Twitter every year because uh Charis, just, there's just... tons of stuff I'm tired <laughs> of hearing on Twitter Charis you know what I never want to hear someone say that Trout looks like Renfro every ever again in my yeah, life yeah I, oh, I know they I know. don't look I mean there's that one picture besides that they don't look that similar it's kind of funny the first time I've heard it probably 20 times since spring training started like a week and a half ago. I'm done. Alex I'm is done all business. With it. Uh, but no, I, I, it, it's funny because if you look at, you know, football, basketball fans, you know, if you had the two best players in the league on your team, you're probably going to be the number one seed or you're going to be in the playoffs for sure. Baseball, it's 
that's honestly why I love it. I, I, I love the fact that you can even have superstars and things just don't click. You love for this 162 pain. Travis, you love this pain. I, I don't love the pain. I just I just love that the there's just so much randomness as well that you can go into it like, you know, year after year, the Yankees always gear up for a championship run and the the homegrown Astros just always love to just take it away. So uh, there's always that that randomness I do like. But uh, let's move on, Alex, to the uh, the over-unders. Uh, we were, we were going to talk about that. I know we had the American League and National League East last year or last week. Uh, and now we're going to do the American League and National League Central. It was really fun last week. I thought, I thought it was it was good stuff to talk about what we think, kind of talk through how – uh, how we perceive these teams that this year, if maybe they had a little bit of bad luck last year and we could see them being better this year, or if they were just on such a roll that we don't see that being consistent to what they can bring this year. Um, I, I, I like I like talking about that kind of stuff. So let's get into it. I have the American League Central already up, and I have the win totals projected by Caesar Sportsbook. Um, so kicking it off. The Cleveland Guardians, Alex, they were the division winners last year. They won 92 games last year. Uh, right now, Caesars has them at 87 and a half. 87 and a half. What do you say over under this year? 87 and a half. Should I take my time again, Travis, and just really think these out? <laughs> I, I I think last week I was just hoping you'd ramble up because I see, again, I see these videos on Instagram where people just will be like, oh, over, under, over, under, and Last week it was. I'll do this, Travis. But it's uh, take me through it. But yeah, uh, give me you know, put your gut into it. You know, yeah. Leave the brain and, at home. And right? then also, I'm also gonna say what the projections were. I do have Pakoda up Thank as well as Fangraphs. Yeah. yeah. Um. So it was 87 and a half. You said 87 and a half. So yeah. Pakoda would take the over at 89.1. Okay. So I'll uh, say still that's less a, than 90 wins, but yeah. Yes, I'll say that's a little bit surprising to me. I seeing them almost at 90 is a little bit surprising. Looking at the Fangraphs projections, let me find the Guardians here. They have the Guardians projected at is that 83? 83. Okay, conservative that's, again, yeah. That's conservative. So I, I, I would lean conservative. I would lean on the under here. Okay. I think that overall there's just this nice pool of talent in the American League wildcard kind of area. The, the middle of the American League seems like a lot of teams that kind of want it, right? The Mariners are going to want it. The Angels are going to want it the last year of Otani on this current contract. Um, we'll see what the White Sox and Twins end up looking like. But I do think that there's enough, you know, teams that are going to be flirting. The Rays, um, the middle class of the American League, I think, is somewhat strong. So yeah. there's going to have a, a fair amount of tough games. Also worth noting, Travis, this coming season, less divisional games you're playing every you can't other, beat up on the royals or tigers anymore you're, like, you're, you're gonna have yeah. less games yeah. against the royals the tigers um that's gonna of course balance things out a bit and i just don't see them at like a 90 win team that seems like too much yeah. i think it's more likely yeah. they're 500 than, than, yeah. than that kind of team yeah. Um, so yeah, well, what do you think? I agree. I said under as well, 92 last year. You're telling me they're going to win, you know, right now they're saying over 88 wins. So you're looking at about a four point spread or four game, uh, four win spread. Um, I think looking at everyone that's going to be playing this year, uh, the schedules are different. I think that they won't, again, you're not going to be able to feast on these Royals and Tigers teams for so long. And right there, you're probably looking at 12 to 15 extra wins that the, that the guardians got. I'm not, not going to say handed to them, but basically handed to them uh with with just the just the low level of play from the tigers and the royals i think the guardians are still a good team 
Uh, I think they're going to be possibly a top two uh, finish in that American League Central. But I think last year they were easily, easily picked to finish third. And they kind of just surprised a lot of people. So um, they might be a team as well like the Orioles overperformed last year. I think it may digress a little bit this year. But I think under is 87 and a half. But next team up, Alex, Kansas City Royals. Last year they finished with... 65 wins right now they are looking at 69 and a half so will they be a 70 team win or will they still keep and remain in that 60s spot um and looking at the off season um they've had some very interesting pickups i rolled this chapman did, did they get granky again yes okay so they 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 re-added uh, granky um so thoughts on the royals 69 and a half alex over under so just to be clear, Pakoda has them at 61.8. So that's a big under for Kansas City. And then looking at fan graphs here, Kansas City is going to be 73. Okay. So what was it? 60? 69 and a half. So basically saying, will they be a 70 win team? I am going to go ahead and say they're going to be worse. I'm going to okay. have them on the under. Okay. I think that... Um, there's a lot of holes in the team, obviously. They're not really competing to be one of the elite teams. And I do think that there's this component of, you know, I just, I'm just kind of low on the whole, probably both essentials, AL and NL, but especially the AL Central. I just kind of see them having to play more AL West teams and more AL East teams uh, more often. I see that as probably a you know, bad thing for their records. And I think that they're probably going to be worse than they were last year. Um, I do, I am high on Bobby Witt. I'll say that. I think that yep. there is talent to be excited about in their system, but at the moment, not super high on what they might do next year. Okay. Okay. I actually surprisingly went over. Um, Alex, I, I I guess I'm kind of playing with, uh, with fire. I just don't know if the starting pitching can be as bad as it was last year. Fair point. Um, they were, like I said, they were historically bad last they, year. <laughs> they were historically bad. I think that um, Brady Singer, um, some of these guys make the uh, adjustments and they can get back on track. Also, great, great, uh, great points you put on a couple episodes ago. Uh, Vinny Pasquantino, Bas, baby. Bas, Vaspan, Vaspantino, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I think of Vinny course, P. Vinny P. Vinny P. He can have a good and, and he can have an impressive year. Um, also looking at guys, I know Alberto Mondes, Alberto Mondes, he won't be there. Uh, he is on the Red Sox. Uh, but looking at guys like MJ Melendez, I think also just young guys can be come up. Could and be, be a great hitter. Impactful guys right now. I, I honestly think like 71 is their cap. I feel like that's like a season where you're like, wow, the Royals really overperformed it from a lot of these uh a lot of these sites predicting what their win totals would be but i think that they may surprise a little bit of people i think 69 and a half that it, it could be slightly over that but i went with the over for the royals um i think they do kind of figure out a way to get it done like you like i mentioned i i just don't know if they can be historically as bad as they were last year with the starting pitching i think there has to be some sort of uh adjustments made but um that rounds up the royals twins 83 and a half last year the twins were 78 uh 78 wins in total this year right now with the additions they are at 83 and a half so where do you see the twins right now that seems like one of the harder ones it honestly. is it is tough because you're looking at a guy a team that is right now it's, it's just hovering above 500 which the additions so far um 
so far, I can kind of lead to it. Alex, I'll, I'll slightly go first on this one, but I, I have the over on the Twins. Um, I'm actually a little high on the Twins this year. Uh, I, I think they really have what it takes to be the division winner. And I think with, um, I'm expecting a improvement, of course, from Joey Gallo. I, I like the Pablo Lopez signing. Um, I, I, I just think that right now, uh, did, they, did they get, is Sonny Gray on the Twins? Yeah, okay. I believe so, yeah. Okay, him, Joe Ryan. I, I I like their staff. I actually really like their staff. Um, now I'm trying to forget that one big reliever they had. Uh, they had Duran. Duran, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. And so uh, I, I think they have a nice bullpen as well, but I just, I'm a little bit, uh, I, I I do like what I, they can offer with the with the offense. Correa as well, being back on to the team. Um, I, I do think that the Twins could have a, a, a very good year. 83 and a half, I took the over. I'll go over as well. Um, Pakoda has them at 88.2, which seems a little high. And then Fangraphs has them at 83. So right about what the projection okay, by okay. the by the Vegas has. Just in that 85 or so win range. I, but um, I, I agree with what you're saying. Um, they have the upside, I believe, all around the diamond. They also could just kind of get lucky and luck into either like a Bucks and MVP year or maybe a Gallo just True. kind of resurgence. Not a crazy resurgence, but just some level of resurgence, or maybe a Kepler resurgence. They have these different guys that might be able to impact in a big way, I think. And then, um, you know, I think that Papa Lopez move is going to hopefully be, uh, you know, a key, you know, I don't know if he's ace, but at least a key piece of that rotation to really make them uh, that much more of a threat. So I, I, I like them. I think, especially in the kind of weaker division, I think that they should be taking care of business against most of those teams. So I'll go over as well. Okay, over as well. Uh, second to last team, the Chicago White Sox, Alex. Um, 81 and 81, a huge disappointment last year. Um, Tony La Russa just could never figure it out with that team. Uh, and also with injuries, I will point out as well, they just went through so many unlucky injuries. Lance Lynn... Um, also with uh, Luis Robert. So uh, I think also Tim Anderson as well. But 81 and 81 last year. Right now they are at an 82 and a half. So they're they're looking at almost a two uh, two additional wins this next season. So where do you see Chicago rounding out this year with 82 and a half? This is also a really tough one. <laughs> These are all really tough, obviously. I'm going to actually go under. I think that, okay. yes, they should... They should be better than that. I feel like you look at the names on the roster, on the pitching and the offense, yep. and you you think that, you know, I know a lot of these names. These are good players, but um, I think that there's something a little bit off with um, the way things have developed for them. I think it's unfortunate. But no more Abreu. He was kind of a guy who at least played every day, which was yep. something that, you know, you can't say about most of the guys in their team. Robert has the kind of uh boomer bust component he could just have a, a all-star mvp year or he could have i think a really really like uh, uh not very valuable year eloy has injury risk um tim anderson is kind of up and down i saw he was at driveline working on his uh mm. power trying to get more power in his swing it'd be fun if he kind of developed that tool a bit but um you know guys like mancada have kind of fallen off a little bit um at least been up and down you could say I don't love the Benintendi signing as much. I wish they had a bit more thump. Um, yep. I'm not sure exactly who that might have been, but I do think that they're a bit lacking. And then the pitching, you know, Giolito, I saw he lost a ton of weight um, in the offseason, which is I think it could bode well having that kind of change in approach there. But obviously a really down year last year. Lance Lynn was hurt a lot last year. Yep. Get Kopech, they get Cease. They have two at least young, bright guys to look at. 
there is stuff to like, of yeah. course. I I just think that there's so much, so many question marks. And yeah. um, just to add, Fangraphs has them at eighty, okay. and Pakoda has them at seventy. Where was that? Seventy-eight point four. So both actually project them as a losing record, which wow. is a bit surprising. Wow. But Travis, what do you think? I have the over. Okay. Um, I, I I just think with what happened last year, just perf- I mean, they, again, just just they were the one team that just with, with with the odds and like I told you, I think in Vegas, I was like, I I, I feel confident. It's putting, a lock. I feel I feel confident putting my entire savings and my entire life on the White Sox to win the division. It's a lock. It's an easy lock. But uh, how she gets how she goes. Second place in the American League Central last year with eighty one. Every every single month, I just figured, okay, this is the month Larusa. They're going to turn it around. Even though I think Larusa is just an awful manager this year, um, he's just not getting this team together. I just feel like I think they won like ninety games in twenty twenty one. I don't think they're that team that's just going to be this ninety five win juggernaut. But I think they're that team that should be somewhere in that eighty two to ninety win range, just because I feel like the talent is all there. So I went over. I think you know, looking at like eighty five to maybe like eighty seven win te- eighty seven wins for their for their season. I think is a, a spot I could look at for the White Sox. Um, and I don't know who. Do you know who the new manager is? I'm not sure off the top of my head, but I do think the fresh voice could definitely yeah. be a positive. I think that if I'm not mistaken, they also switched over into a new <laughs> into a new hitting coach. Um, I remember the oh, hitting, not the 300 guy. Travis, it's, it, it's it's the funniest <laughs> quote last year. The guy said, "F the home run, I want to see you hit 300." And it just like their team was full of these guys who just should have been hitting more home runs than they actually were. I think that they were like the first team in history. Or like they had, they they set the record for like the most games where you had over ten hits but lost or something like that. Like they just were hitting for contact but no power as a unit, and it just proved to be un, an un, unsuccessful game plan. So I think whatever fresh voice they're getting in the clubhouse, in the training staff, in the game planning, I think it's going to be beneficial. So Travis, I could see them being an 88-90 win team. You know, I, it would not surprise me um, to a huge extent because I think that there was such disarray or something was just off with uh the approach last season that maybe the talent combined with a new approach could just light a spark so we'll we'll see yep yep i agree with that too um last team american league central detroit tigers last year they were at a 65 win mark this year they are projected at 69 and a half so same with the royals are they going to be a 70 win team um with what they've got to offer i think last year alex the the offense was like historically bad um much like the royals pitching so i wish you just combined the royals and the tigers teams it just would have had the could be fun <laughs> could be fun in terms of uh first overall draft pick but uh 69 and a half um i'll go first again on this one uh i have the under I think that they'll be – I think they're not a 70-win team. I just don't think that uh, – I'm not big on Baez. I'm not big on a lot of these guys. Even though I feel like um, what we got from Tarek Skubal was was nice. I I don't know. Are we going to get Casey Mize? Are we – Let I, me see. I'm looking he, at their fingers get... thing right now, and I'm, I scroll down to pitchers. They project – I know they uh, trade away uh, Soto, their bullpen guy, and um, – you're looking at guys I, like I think Mize Eric is, Haas. Wait, is Riley Haas getting Green. Tommy John? 
Say it again. I think Mice is getting Tommy. I John. know. I, that, that's what I thought too. I because they don't they they project him for he's not he's not here. He's okay for zero innings. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Then yeah, so he must look, be out. You're looking at Matt Manning and uh, Tarek Skubal to kind of carry the entire load of this team with. Hey, they got Michael their, Lorenzen now. <laughs> with their best war guy. Javier Baez at a 2.5, their best war performer. So I, I don't know. I, I'm just, they have so many young guys that I don't know. They're not performing at the greatest level. And so I'm just not 100% high. And then, of course, you just got Miggy Cabrera rounding out, I think his, it was his last season this year. So um, I don't know. I, I just think it's more of a retirement tour year for Miggy. And that's the only concern with Detroit. I just don't know what to expect with them um, and what AJ Hinch can do for this team to, to, get them to that 70 something win mark but uh 69 and a half I, I have them going under just because i just don't think they're gonna be a 70 win team i agree i'm gonna go <clears> under <throat> as well just to look at the projections um pakoda does have them at detroit at 64.8 and i believe it was 71 by fangraphs i'm looking at their depth charts on fangraphs these are all projections for next season um i still think there's a lot to like surprisingly for a team that I think is going to be really bad. There's still stuff to like. I think that Meadows will be better than he was last year. Last year he was not good. Um, I think he will be better. I think that Riley green will continue to develop. I think he's a young star. Um, He's going to be a good defensive center fielder. I believe Uh, could be an everyday player. I would assume. Uh, I think that Torkelson had a really rough uh, first year was up and down as a result. There still could be some issues getting used to big league pitching, but he was such a top prospect that I'd be surprised if he struggles forever. I think something starts to click at some point. Maybe it's not this year, but at some point. Um, but there's also so many question marks, of course. A bias, Travis, someone who we're both not that high on. I still think that that could have been such a, if they, it could have been such a turning point. If they had gotten Correa instead, yeah. I feel like, you know, one player doesn't make all the difference in the world, but I think it would have put them on a much better track. Um, than what they're at right now. I, I think that Baez is, you know, a viable glove, and, and that's about it. There's a bit of pop there, but the bat's not that special anymore. Um, and then looking at other guys, I mean, Badu had a really big down year last year. The outfield, Travis, just seems pretty shallow in general outside of Riley Green, um, assuming that Meadows is a, is a DH. And, yeah, Miggy, like you said, it could be a farewell tour uh, kind of year for him. Uh, he's projected for negative war, unfortunately, uh, for his farewell status. But yeah, I think there's a lot to, there's interesting things going on, but also there's a lot of uh, concerns and and not that deep. Um, Eduardo yeah. Rodriguez also, Travis, I don't know what was going on last year with him, but there was like, like a fam- family issues or something like that. And he just was like gone for like yeah. over a month, I think. So like, <laughs> you know, I, I, if it's something serious, you yeah. know, I'm hoping the best, but you know, that's something that you just can't really you know, look forward to in a team you yes. think is going to do well. So, yeah, yeah. yeah, I mean, I think they're going to have, I think they have Matt Boyd, Matt Manning, um, and then, yeah, I don't even know. Scooball's like, I guess he was. He was oh, out. oh, Matt Boyd's back with him. He resigned, yes. Okay, okay. But still, like, it's like. It's not really a, a, a what, huge. What, 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 what can you chalk up yeah. Boyd, Lorenzen? I guess Scooball was hurt at the end of last year, so he might miss some time this year. It's just like, what exactly are we going to get? Yeah. Almost no guarantees with this yeah. team at yeah. all. So I, that, that That's the real uh, question mark. I just feel like with the Tigers, you're right. I just don't know what I'm going to get. I just think it's going to be bad. So um, we're both under on that. So that wraps up the American League Central, the National League Central to round things out. Chicago Cubs, Alex, they had 74 wins last year. Right now, Caesars has them in the same territory as the Red Sox and Orioles. 77 and a half wins for the Chicago Cubs. 
who do you got? Or I'm saying, what, what do you got so far for that team? Do you think they can be 78 or higher? Or do you think they're going to still be in that mid seventies for win totals? They did get better for sure. They did. Um, they in did. my opinion. So Alex, I'm going to say this. I'm saying, saying something bold. I think they got better, but I think at the same time, I think that those guys just might not be like, I thought you were going to say they got better, but they got worse. <laughs> <laughs> they got better, but at the same time, I just don't know if those guys are going to be like, I'll go under the yeah. ultimate contributors. So I went under as well. It's a, I, I just don't think they can be sneaky in that like 500 baseball range just because it, it's such a hard thing to do to be around 500 in baseball. I just don't see Chicago really having this like impressive, impressive mark. I don't think Dansby really puts them over the top. Bellinger, we'll see. We could be wrong. If Bellinger goes back to 2019, then we're definitely going to be wrong. But I don't see, you know, Strowman, I think they also got what Tyon. Uh, yeah, some of the other starting pitchers. I think the, they as the, well the, as well. The, there are some interesting additions that I'm like not really sure what the direction is. I think they got Hosmer, and there yes, was another. Yep. Oh, and Mancini. It's like these are just guys who, I mean, there's something about them that I might like, but as a complete well-rounded contributor, I'm not 100 percent sold. Yep. Yep. Right, as like an everyday value adder. 75 projection by Fangraphs which would be under, right? Yep, and then under. also a 76.6 by Dakota. Well. Yeah. So they both say under. We both say under. Yep. Travis, that means they're going to hit the over because <laughs> Vegas knows best. <laughs> yep, yep. And so uh, wraps up Chicago. The Brewers, Alex, uh, last year, Milwaukee, 86 wins. Right now, they're projected at 84 and a half. So they're taking a little bit of a step backwards for Milwaukee, 84 and a half for the Milwaukee Brewers. So Pakoda has around 87 and a half okay. for them. I'm looking at fan graphs now. Where are the Brewers? Where are they at? Oh, there they are. 84. Okay. So I, It's right there in the middle where it's I, like it I'm, should. I'm going to go over. Okay. I think that last year, I don't know. Like I think we expected them to be a bit better than the Cardinals. I think that I don't know, for some reason the projections all kind of like the Brewers a bit better than the Cardinals. I don't really get why, yep. but I will say this. Their pitching is going to be better yep. for sure. Um, so maybe if the bats, I I, I believe in the Yelich bounce back uh, to some extent, not to MVP status, but at least to some extent, they've added depth all around. Uh, got Winker, I guess. You know, I'm not exactly sure what Willing they're going to Contreras, be. Yeah, yeah. T- I think Telez is a good player, so I think there's stuff to like. Right, Adames they kept on to. I thought they might trade him, but they didn't. So I think there's stuff to like. Right, and uh, they're a smarter team. Um, they, I still wish they went for a bigger splash, but I'll, I'll just say that I think they have a talent to be over at the moment. Yep. Yep. I surprisingly went over as well. I, I think I found more ways to put them under than over. Um, but I, I think the pitching staff is excellent. Corin Burns leading it out. I think Brandon Woodruff should be better than he was last year. I Correct. think Freddie yeah. Peralta will pitch, uh, more innings than he did last year and be better. Um, we saw, uh, Eric Lauer pitch a lot. He did very, very well. Uh, and then, of course, with the bullpen, you got Devin Williams still closing things out on that side. So I, I think the Brewers, um, they could be somewhat of a sneaky team right now to 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 win the division if you want to look at that kind of bet. But I, I think they're they're easily a top two team in that National League Central. But um, I, I do think they can definitely be over that 84 and a half mark just because, I, again, I think the pitching just carries them throughout the season. The I, I don't know if the hitting will I'm not gonna say if the hitting will ever figure it out, but I just feel like there has to be some times in the season where the hitting actually gets on a hot streak where it's like, okay, Adamus, Yelich, um, uh, Winker, uh, Contreras, Telez, they're all doing very, very well. But um 
we shall see. But I, I, I'm, I'm happy we both have the over on that one. I think they could still be kind of a surprise team for that. But uh, moving on to the lovely Pittsburgh Pirates, uh, the, the team where the owner loves to spend. Uh, Pittsburgh last year, Alex, 62 wins, 100 losses. This year, Caesars has them at 67 and a half. So they have them going up to about uh, about five, five and a half wins. They have them uh, increasing this year. So Pirates, 67 and a half. I'm going to go over. We agree. Wow. Wow. So yeah. I, so Fangraphs has it at 70. Where were they? I just had them. 71, 70, 72. 72. And then Pakoda has them at 71.8. So okay. very similar range there. I think that it's just another year of Cruz, another year of Kebrian Hayes, another year of Brian Reynolds. Like, can these guys continue to develop positively? Yep. Yep. I think the answer is probably going to be yes. And even that that one, I think catcher is it Henry Davis? Yeah, I'm not yeah. sure when he's going to be ready. Um, but he was like one of their top prospects. They have another catcher too. They have like multiple catcher prospects that are supposed to be pretty good. I think at some point the guys who they got in return for like the Musgrove trade and the Tyone trade, yeah, like these guys will be contributing at some point. I think Ronzi Contreras, who they got from the Yankees, I believe, is someone. I think that was with the Schmidt. No, what's his name? Who's the closer that was good and then bad? For the Yankees. <laughs> Oh, 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 oh. Jesus Christ. Hol, Hol, Holmes? Holmes, yeah. Right? Yeah, Clay Holmes. Clay Holmes. Yeah, Clay Holmes. Charles, we're not very good at this. I know. We're not very good at baseball. No, yeah. but uh, uh, I think I think, <laughs> I think Ronzi came back from the Holmes trade, if I'm not mistaken. But yeah, I think Ronzi Contreras is someone who's like going to be good like almost for sure um, at some point. So we'll see how if he can become like, you know, uh, MLB level starting pitcher next year so a lot of question marks of course but projecting them at like the 60 60-ish win mark i think that's too low i think they could crack 70 yeah i i agree i think o'neill cruz uh a full year of him with also uh um brian hayes i i i do like that brian reynolds as well i think that they can i'm not gonna say surprise teams but i think they could actually somehow crack the 70 win mark um and and, and put themselves on kind of a, a, a an upward trend final final note on that they also brought back mccutcheon and he said right. he told people, and and I, I kind of laughed when I heard this because I'm I'm not totally buying it. But he said, "I'm not here for a farewell tour. I'm here to win." And like, yeah. well, well, it's like, I'm sorry, buddy, you're not going to win a World Series here, <laughs> yeah. obviously. But like, I do think that that's probably the mindset. The mindset is probably it, to compete. Is to compete. And if they're out there trying to compete instead of instead of trying to tank or whatever it might be, they could get they they could do some frisky things. True, 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 true. I I, I definitely think it's a long shot for them to make the playoffs. I just think right. it's, it's a good mindset for him to say, I'm, "I'm here to win. At least get this team in the right direction." But uh, we both took the over. Uh, next team up is the Cardinals. Last year, Alex division winners, ninety three wins. Caesars has them right now at 89 and a half. So will they crack the 90 win mark or will they go down into the 89 to 88 win total uh, for this season? So where do you got the, already got the Cardinals right now? I'm going under Okay. 86 wins by Fangraphs by Pakoda. It is 85.8. So both are just a touch lower than the Vegas over under number. I understand why they could go over. I think the offense is definitely one of the best. They also have tons of upside coming up. I think Newpar could take a jump. If Jordan Walker all of a sudden just breaks out and is ready to be an MLB hitter, he could just become like, you know, the next 
I don't even know, like Juan Soto type he's or like, just what, like is he? He's like six five, six six. Has like I was Stan, say, Stanton, like I was about to say Judge, yeah, yeah so, something yeah. like that. Like just this guy who he's totally, huge, yeah. And he's been playing the outfield, so if 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 someone like Carlson goes down, you know, you can bring up a guy like um, uh, Walker and and just see like a, a total breakout performance. O'Neill bounce back potential. Goldschmidt and Arenado could regress, but I think the biggest thing for me is I just don't love the pitching. I saw today, Travis. True. Wainwright had his start. I think what are they paying him? Like 18 million, something like that? 17, 18, 19 it's, it's million? Not, it's not good, yeah. He his fastest pitch he threw today was 86 miles an hour. That is not an 18 million dollar pitcher. I don't care how well you're placing that's, it. That's uh there's that, no way. That's some good high school level. I mean yeah. that's some good. Like, I think I could do 86. Cal- that's some good Southern California like high school top pitching prospect level right there. So I mean, yeah, yeah. So I, I it's it's pretty obvious to me that yeah. I'm not super sold on their pitching. I think they left a lot to be desired. I think the Wilson Contreras edition could be nice. Um, the offense might thump, but I just think that they could be a bit worse than last year. Also, whatever crazy juice that Pujols was on, they don't have that. Oh, yeah. They, yep. They're going to miss out on that kind of extra thump they had as well. So I'm going to go under. What about you? I, I went over, and it's kind of with the Brewers where I, I feel like I, I I have way more of a reason to go under. I just, again, I don't think Goldschmidt, Arenado will be on that same level as they were on last year. Um, they both had, like we mentioned, like career seasons. Um, the pitching is just not something to be really, I don't want to say proud of, but uh, to be impressed with. Uh, but I am very, very optimistic, and I do expect these young guys to really break out for this team. Jordan Walker, Juan Yepes, Brendan Donovan, uh, Lars Newbar. I, I just I like this young core. I think that they can have a lot of fun switching around how they're going to use these guys. So I went with the over. I think they're again. I think they're going to they're they're not going to be this 97, 98 win team, but I think somewhere in that like 94 to 91 is somewhere where they can be uh, to to be a part for the 2023 campaign but i again i i makes total sense that, that i would go under as well because um they're just a team that did not get pitching this offseason and that was a position or a place where it just seemed like you needed that heavily to make another uh, you know a playoff run and also if you want to make a deep postseason run so that's something they're gonna have to look at if they want to make um any big stretch down the season for uh you know advancing further along in the playoffs Cardinals, that wraps it up. Last team, Alex, is the Cincinnati Reds. They, too, like the Pittsburgh Pirates, had 62 wins last year. Right now, Caesars has them at 66 and a half. Do you think Cincinnati could make some sort of jump on the win total, or do you see them kind of still down in that low 60s, possibly even like high 50s? 66 and a half right now. Yeah, so right now Fangraphs has them at 67, so just the slightest of overs. Uh, Pakoda projections have them at 67.5, so both of them are just the slightest of overs. I personally am really not sold on this team, so I I kind of want to say under, but I just feel like yep. saying a team, unless they're one of the worst teams in baseball, saying that they're going to win like almost 60, it just feels almost like almost insulting. Yeah. Um, so I'm not sure I'm at that level with them. I think India could bounce back a bit. I think there's guys to like around the diamond, like Spencer Steer is like, I think people talking about him as a, a potential breakout guy, but there's just not that much to like. They did have Will Myers, who I think could benefit from the new ballpark. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm having trouble. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going <laughs> to just be bold and say over. Okay. okay. I think that a slight over, I'm just not going to disrespect them quite that much um, as much as I'd like to. Uh, yeah, yeah we'll, we'll see what the, and I think Lodolo 
Hunter Green. Like there's stuff to like. Yes. There's there's some pieces, some diamonds in the rough potentially. There are. Um, I went with the under. Um, and one big reason why is because they had Luis Castillo for a big part of last year, even though he only started 14 games. They're not going to have him, of course, this year. They're not going to have Tyler Malley. Um, and then also, I mean, I think just looking at some of the offense as well, they don't have Brendan Drury. Uh, they don't have Tommy Pham. They have a lot of these guys that are not going to be part of this team that were such at least somewhat big contributors last year. So um, I they're again, they're just kind of a team where I just don't I, 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 they, they, they have a lot of up and coming talent like Ellie De La Cruz will be very exciting when he if he makes his debut this this year. And then also with Hunter Green, I'm really big on him. I think he has like a 103 mile an hour fastball. Um, if he can put them things together, he can be a stud for a starting pitcher for the Cincinnati Reds. But I just don't know. I, again, sometimes I look at some of these unders and I'm like, I think they could be 66 wins. <laughs> I think right. they could be 65 wins. Like I think they could be so close, but I'm just going to go with this under just because I just don't know if I can see them getting upwards towards that high 60s. So I, I don't know if they're really going to be, you know, six or seven plus wins this next season with with what they've done this offseason yeah will myers it, it could be it could be nice but who knows so i and i think that uh you mentioned the fact that they sold on castillo midseason last year that's another thing that i'm not really i'm not really thinking about that much and i probably should is this team could end up being sellers again right yeah. and they know that like their window of success is going to be when ladolo kind of grows up a bit when green kind of grows up a bit when um you said his name, Ellie De La Cruz is ready when Noelvi Marte, who is who they got for Luis Castillo, when he's ready to make that jump. So there's all these guys that um, are in their kind of younger class. I mean, even India, their best player from 2021 is uh, still super young. So yeah. it's almost like I think they should be building on that younger generation. So maybe if they're like very, very solidly out of the wild card situation. Maybe they go ahead and they trade a Hot Wheel Myers and make themselves even worse yep. just to get the prospects. Or maybe they trade... Um, or even a guy like Tyler Stevenson. He's a good upcoming catcher. He's he's had some good months. Yeah, and so some of these guys... Young still. Some of these guys could get uh, traded at the deadline, which would only make them worse, um, which might make the under actually hit. Um, they also have Alexi Diaz, who's brother of Edwin. That's right. Monster year last year. Could be good again. But again... Like not that much stands out at all. Um, it's really crazy how in 2020 they were like such a scary team, and then obviously it was a short season, but still, and they've really kind of fallen off fast. But um, I think they're probably if they're smart, they'll continue to sell um, when guys get hot and just build around that younger core. For those that don't know, Ellie De La Cruz is like the next O'Neill Cruz. He just is yeah. like this tall. He's actually a switch hitter, shortstop, monster speed with yeah. in, with like I think just five star speed and five star power and it's like if he can get the contact figured out it's like what can this guy do so yeah yeah I should agree. be fun i agree but that that rounds out the american league and national league central alex for over and under i love this part of the podcast because it really we can really dissect and see you know who are the additions what are the subtractions from last year do we see them being that much of a of a you know a win total increase or win total decrease um, I think it's fun. I think this is a fun part of, of you know, the betting season for for baseball where you can look at some of these teams and say, that just doesn't seem right. Like, why would they be in that win total? Why would they go up that much? Why would they go down that much? But um, anything else to add so far? I think we've been running a little bit longer on this one. I think a little that, longer. Five, but yeah. It's looking like around the ballpark of a two hour 15. But, you know, if you guys made it this far, we appreciate your support as always. I think that wraps it up travis um we're gonna keep it going next week we're, we're all, obviously now we're all done with our rankings but travis there's so much to talk about 
Uh, at World some, Baseball Classic next time, yeah. World Baseball Classic is just right there on the horizon. Also, at some point, we'll be talking about like our favorite bets and picks for like MVP, for just different types of awards. Um, you know, Vegas gambling odds that we like for you know records, best record in baseball, Cy Young, all that kind of fun stuff. So it's going to be tons of fun conversations on the upcoming episodes. But um, like I said, if you made it this far, we appreciate you so much. Um, we really want to go hard this year. We're going to try to get into the TikTok. We're going to try to get into the Instagram reels. Um, we're going to try to uh, make the Two Tools brand grow a little bit. So um, just please be on the lookout. And like I said, uh, we appreciate you all. Talk to you guys next week. Presented by Tool Tools Podcast. <laughs>